1: hello and welcome to podcast like it's 1999 the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 floating up to the ceiling here in 2022 i'm one of your hosts kenny nybart
3: and i'm philiska
1: and with us today is the co-creator of the upcoming pretty little lies original sin that's pretty cool uh and my old friend, Lindsay, Lindsay, are you Lindsay Bring, Lindsay Calhoun Bring, or Lindsay Calhoun?
0: I'm Lindsay Calhoun Bring. I was once Lindsay Calhoun. I got married. I kept Calhoun as a middle name. Lindsay Bring. Lindsay Calhoun Bring.
1: Lindsay Calhoun Bring. Yeah. Are you, what, what are you going to be credited on, credited as? Created oh. by Lindsay Calhoun Bring?
0: Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah And and, and, some and, other, Roberto. and
1: some other guy.
0: And uh, some other guy. Some yeah. other Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa guy. No one's heard of him.
2: Yeah, no one's heard of that guy. No one's heard of
1: Uh, (laughs) him. But very exciting, Lindsay. I'll ask you questions about that tomorrow when we have breakfast.
2: Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: Great. uh, Because today we're here to talk about um, a movie that, well, look, a movie. I mean, it's a movie. It's been on the list since the beginning. I thought it was just another movie that came out in 1999. Uh, I thought it was some, you know, failed star vehicle for uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, which it most certainly is. Don't get me wrong, um, commercially speaking. Uh, I, th- I thought it was just some little trifle that you know just kind of just just kind of came and went. And I thought she was a cook, and it was like that. I thought it was like a, a teenish version of that Catherine Zeta-Jones movie, No, no Reservations?
3: Reservations. Sure,
1: people just a couple <laughs> people just fall in love, and eat some food. This movie is not that. This is one of the weirdest movies we've ever done. Uh and look, is it a great movie? No. Is it a bad movie? Yes. Is it a delightful movie? Absolutely.
0: Uh, 100%. One of the most delightful movies
1: you'll ever see. <laughs> Simply irresistible. Lives up to its title. Phil, what do you think of this movie? I I mean, listen, I'm <sighs>
3: <laughs> i i think that this movie is incompetent but <laughs> i think oh that, my god like just i mean on, on a I purely i film that's i don't know level, if that's, this, I this know if movie that's is, what i would call it i think this movie is
1: Highly how can confident. i put this
3: kenny and i were texting a little bit as he was watching this film and uh he sent me a picture of himself when he pressed play on this film for the first like I don't know 10, 15 minutes of this movie, um, I think I hit a similar face too. Of your like,
1: face never changed, my face uh, did. And yeah, that's what yes, I think. That's what I would yes,
3: say. Sure, I, I think that 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 your reaction was similar to my reaction, which is when you hit play on this film, you're sort of.
1: This was sh- my 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 play
3: face. This was his <laughs> initial face. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um perplexed my face at the
1: end of the movie
0: mind blown yeah (laughs) i i
3: mean i guess the thing here and and kenny and i sort of texted a little bit around this idea and obviously Lindsay, we can't wait to hear what you have to say about this i can't wait to (laughs) hear um so forgive me i'll just say that i think it's um i'm kind of a little surprised that this film doesn't have more of a hate oh. i hate the term cult following because like that's that is such a whatever but like kenny referred to the room at one point in oh, his yeah. texts
1: in and- the beginning i so not to right. cut you off phil yeah. in the beginning i thought it was like the room because i thought it was like you said because i really did change over the course of the i know you did yeah uh in the beginning i thought it was <laughs> i thought it was utterly incompetent like I really did. I thought it was an incompetent film in the beginning. And like on the level of uh, on par with the room, but I love the room. I, I, yeah. I genuinely, you know, like in my right. heart, like love the room and think like to make something that singular in and of itself is a uh is is a triumph. As the movie went on, and crazier and crazier shit happened that were that was not, you know, let's have a football catch mark, but more like we're going to give you apples that when you cut into them explode with, you know, like, like pheromones, there were decisions that were made in this movie. This was not like the product of like, we don't know what we're doing. So let's like do what a movie move, what a movie maker might do, which, which is why I love the room so much. The room feels like, a, feels like a poorly programmed cyborg was tasked with making a movie. <laughs> That's Where's correct where is this and, and still is walking around to this day uh mm-hmm. but this actually feels like and i'm i mean i don't mean to start at such an extremity phil because i don't know if i really believe this but like the movie that it felt like to me at the end was this came together i mean they came together which was like i think they're spoofing rom-coms this is so oh. fucking crazy No, i don't mean spoofing but you yeah. know it's like It's and I I mean that like when you are when you are spoofing or satirizing or doing a parody of, is it necessary for you to be like this is a parody, or can you have crazy fucking ass hilarious shit happen and have the viewer at the end be like, this couldn't be real? Like this, put it like as I said to Phil, like any movie. Where the grand romantic gesture is a perfectly thrown air- paper airplane from a <laughs> third story window into a moving cab. They can't have been serious with this. Okay, Lindsay, what do you think of this film? That's a very
0: interesting perspective, and one now that I'm coming around to. There was, so when I, Kenny, we talked about doing this podcast for a while, and I'm so excited to be on it. I'm a big fan. I've been listening to the oh, episodes. Thank you. I love this. I love you guys. I love uh, the podcast, and I was so excited. And 1999, obviously, the best year in the world for movies. And we talked about so many. And by the time we got to me, we were in the dregs, guys. <laughs> we just were. And I was like, simply, I, I remember seeing Simply Irresistible in the movie theater. I went to see it and I went for Sarah Michelle Geller. Sure. Because I loved her and loved her and was watching Buffy at the time and like whatever she started, I would go to. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, we'll do this. I was not expecting last night. I think I blocked out so much of it. I remembered the magical crab. I remembered huh. that she was a chef, and I—that I, was it. I re- barely remembered Sean Patrick Flannery. I, of course, had no context for Patricia Clarkson when I was thirteen, no, or, sure. or, or Dylan Dil- Baker, Dylan Baker, right? <laughs> yes, sure. Who Patricia Clarkson wants, you know, his hands all over her as well. Oh, we all
3: it's do. wild. Who doesn't?
0: Yeah, and sure. I. I texted Kenny as well. And I said, I'm seconds into this and this is insane. And I, and it was, we hadn't hit the minute mark. It was so crazy. The walk to the farmer's market, the magical man who was VFX poorly into every shot outside. I just buckled in and was kind of on the trip of a lifetime the thing that you just said, Phil, about um, a cult following—the thing that the movie that popped into my head was *Teen Witch*. Also, sort of a magical. Love sure.
1: *Teen Witch*. Sure.
0: I love *Teen Witch*. Yes. I don't know if you've seen it recently. It makes no sense. I—it it makes no sense. Watch it today. I don't know where anybody came from, what they're doing, why it's happening. It's, no sense the friend who's so amazing disappears in like the last third of the movie i don't know why she likes this guy but it had a cult following because it was stylish and sure. it was magical and robin tunney was so winning and amazing and i feel Robin like lively robin lively oh my god thank you robin but robin tunney lively. also
1: great robin
0: sure. tunney is sure. just sure. as stunning and, winning and amazing uh and and magical but i think they kind of pushed the style in a way that simply irresistible mm-hmm. didn't like i think you're right kenny listening to you i think they were making fun of rom-coms but they played I, it straight
1: i i i that's what i'm trying to like wrap my head around because like there's just like too much it's it's, it's all like 10 too far like the scene that i referenced in the beginning with the floating up to the ceiling yeah they're i mean first of all like, like we no one's seen this movie. So we should give like our, our, yeah, our little context, context yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to to what it is. But there's a scene in the middle of this film where Sarah Michelle Geller and Sean Patrick Flannery are and I, I mean, I, I have to explain how this is even plausible in the film, <laughs> but basically, like Sarah Michelle Geller is able to like cook her feelings into food, and which I she, love. If she feels love for someone, like they, like she's, they literally are kissing and floating to the ceiling, and like at some point, it stops being like this, you know, it stops being like the La La Land thing where they're floating in the Griffin Observatory, which I thought was beyond fucking words. Sure, stupid. It's beautiful, magical, uh, awful. Um And becomes this, this thing Where Sean Patrick Flannery becomes aware of it And he's like wait a second get me down here And he's kind of stuck to the ceiling yeah. And I, I, I fawn. And I'm like there, they, There's something else here You know there's just something else going on Here than just like Let's throw it all against the screen And see what sticks
3: I, I'm going to give context but I do just want to say That I don't disagree With what you guys are saying The difference is that I didn't find it charming because it didn't work. There's, there's an aspiration of what they're trying to do here. It just doesn't, it just didn't work for me. I'm not disputing the fact that, that there are intelligent people behind this film with goals and, and perhaps we're, intent. We're
1: way too early for this part of the conversation.
3: But but I don't. I, uh, so, the synopsis <laughs> of this film uh, after her mother's death, mediocre chef Amanda Shelton, played by Sarah Michelle Geller, is having trouble attracting customers to her family's restaurant. While shopping for ingredients, she's given a magical crab by mysterious Gene O'Reilly. Afterward, Amanda's dishes suddenly become excellent, inducing some strong emotional. Reactions in everyone who eats them. Tom Bartlett, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, who is preparing to, own his, to open his own eatery, tries her cooking and falls in love. Simply irresistible opened on February 5th, 1999 against Payback, She's All That, Patch Adams, Varsity Blues, and in its 30th week of release, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it would go on to make $4.4 million in a $6 million budget. Uh, it's got 16% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 54% from audiences, now Roger Ebert gives the film three stars which and is says the
1: weirdest thing I've ever heard. which
3: is bizarre. And and his take I don't really agree with, but w- well, we can unpack that. Uh, Simply irresistible is old fashioned and obvious. Yes, like a featherweight comedy from the fifties, but that's the charm. I love movies that cut. <laughs> Loose from the moorings of the possible and dance among their fancies, when Woody Allen waltzed with Goldie Hawn in the banks of the Sienna, and everyone says "I love you," and she floated in the air and just stayed up there, my heart danced too. And the closing scenes are simply irresistible. Are like that. It's not a great movie, but it's a charmer. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, he, 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 just <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: he just liked it. He just liked it on his face. He just,
3: yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I. I so I need to say this because I do feel like this is perhaps this is uh, a bee in my bonnet and something that, that doesn't bother Kenny and perhaps doesn't bother you, Lindsay, but like (laughs) the, the, the filmmaking incompetence that I mentioned earlier is very hard for me to see past. The, the performances are incredibly stilted. The script is nonsensical. Uh, It's, it's, it's doesn't have a big budget, but we have watched movies, Kenny, with lower budgets than this that have looked infinitely better than this. this film.
1: Movie looks genuinely, awful. it's
3: it is hot garbage. So it it's it's one of those so things where hideous. that's a hurdle for me.
1: But anyway, well, that's the the artifice is what I like. Now I I, I I can't like I mean as I said to you and I said to both of you over text like yeah. this guy had come off doing well he didn't come off he, he was in the middle of. Producing three John Waters movies. He did Serial Mom, Pecker, and Cecil Be Demented, which mm-hmm. comes out the year later. Mm-hmm. Wacky movies. Wacky, Wacky movies, movies that yeah. are that 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 where the artifice is on display, right? There's oh, something totally. about that awful fucking looking restaurant, Southern yep. Cross, that like isn't awful in a John Waters way. It's not yep. awful in yep. that, like, I mean, I would like like I would get fucking, you know, tuberculosis from walking into more. Most- <laughs> most John Waters restaurants but it is like no one will want to go there now the yeah. thing about the Southern Cross is no one wants to go there like, yeah. the, the, the food sucks yeah. and then there's a scene early on in there where Amanda Peet just loses her mind and starts throwing plates it's Bonkers. fantastic like it's like in in the con- kind like, in the moment it's weird but in the context of the film it's just like fantastic it it, it it i'm i know i sound crazy i'm not it's not like oh no no, I'm no I, I, it's not like i this is one of those movies where i'm like i mean though it kind of is like Dudley <laughs> Do Right where i would be like no this is actually great <laughs> Dudley Do
3: Right is a masterpiece though yeah, i mean we like, both no, agree that
1: Dudley Do Right is like you got no one just ever no one gave this a chance like no yeah. one even acknowledges this movie's existence Correct. and like that's actually a great film this is like Genuinely pushing the medium at times.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Yes. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And uh, I think I was, I I think that's why I liked it. I don't know. This to me was the definition of a movie that would not get made today. Nobody would make, and I'm very charmed by movies of a certain time.
1: Or or in 99.
0: This movie would not get made in 99. (laughs) (laughs) This movie would not get made today.
3: I really do hear where you're coming from on the John Waters thing. It's not a coincidence, right? This guy producing John Waters films and then making this film. There's a corollary there. Now, of course, the difference is that that this filmmaker, whose name I don't know off the top of my head, can't I'll find it for you. Sure, can't juggle the tone and isn't locked in to to what John Waters does. For instance, right, like. He's trying to do too many things. And I would also argue that like the casting is also bonkers. Patricia Clarkson and and Dylan Baker do feel like they know what movie they're in. I would argue Sarah Michelle Gellar does not.
0: It seems like they thought they were in a grounded romantic comedy. Right. And it's very much not that they're literally lifting off the floor.
1: That's kind of what I, you know, movie I, I started looking up and just trying to like get my head around watching this movie was Starship Troopers.
0: Oh, I love Starship because Troopers. Starship Troopers is great,
1: sure. <laughs> but Starship Troopers, of course, is a masterpiece. But you know, part of the the I don't want to say the joke, but part of the the I mean, it's sh- a parody of, of
3: of of yeah of
1: yeah. yeah oh well yeah I mean part of the shtick of of Star so Starship Troopers had you know a similar trajectory to this in that. Everyone took it seriously until a point. Right? The point with uh, with simply irresistible is this podcast, but with um, <laughs> Starship Troopers, it was you know maybe like maybe like a year or two later, people started being like, "Wait a second, this might not have been as serious as it seemed." What I wanted to say about Starship Troopers is though that the stars, all these gorgeous stars, were never told what they were doing. They were told they were in a fucking you know correct a, a, correct. a space epic, True. a sci-fi epic. And they right. took it, you know, deadly, as seriously as they can. Now, I'm not, I don't mean to, like, denigrate Sarah Michelle Gellar, who has already won a, uh, a you know, podcast, like, it's 1999 award for me for her perfect role in um, Cruel Intentions, okay. one of my favorite actresses who's ever lived.
0: Agree, same.
1: But I do think, truly, one of my favorite actresses who's ever same. lived in my, my first crush. Like, um would you know i i would i would i would risk it all for service Michelle color but i i do think in some i do think this to some respect uh she was just cast because she's a pretty face and well, because so- she's a good actress who would take this material seriously i i, I like i i the reason i the reason I, I bring up the room and the reason i bring up starship troopers is like i Think the filmmakers were doing something differently than everybody else, and I think there is a slyness to this movie um, that even you know e- even escapes the actors in it. I don't. Well, I don't. I don't, so I don't mind that they don't know what movie they're in. Like that's what I'm getting at. I don't mind.
3: Like uh, you bring up the casting, and it's worth noting who was originally cast in this film and who they originally chased to cast in this film. Uh, Holly Hunter was their first choice wow. for the role. And then they chased uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. I
0: um, see that.
3: They wanted an older person who was sort of at a certain point in their life. And I guess the studio pushed for Sarah Michelle Gellar because she was young and she was popping off of Buffy and what have you. Um, you know, I, the, the the Holly Hunter version of this film I mean, I don't even know what that is. I, I and I say that with obviously nothing but love for Holly Hunter. It, it's there is a sincerity to this movie that that belies the slyness that I feel Kenny is perhaps referring to. Uh, and and that, please, Lindsay, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. Sorry to sorry to no, interrupt. No, no, yeah. it's, um, oh, I, well, so many things. One, Kenny, I, obviously I love you. Invoking cruel intentions, it must be said that Cruel Intentions was released exactly one month after this movie. And I wonder if Sarah's reps were part of that. (laughs) It's like, push, pull this up. Um, I actually think that Sarah and Sean Mm. knew exactly what movie they were in. And that's the performance that you got. I think that they were like, we know what this movie is. We know what we're doing. We are cashing this paycheck and we are doing this movie. And we're, we're going through it. But I will say,
1: yeah.
0: I think they were here. For, there were some scenes where I was like, this is flat. There were
1: some he, scenes I thought they were here for it. He, after- he definitely was. He was here for he it. He knew what he was doing. I like, I, like, Yeah, Lindsay, this movie it, has in every fucking scene a crab puppet. Uh, you a, a know what it is. A crab puppet who doesn't do anything except move his eyes. A fucking occasionally like, you know, Feel I, up a guy's leg. was yeah, a crab puppet. Okay, we should des- we should describe this movie a little bit because I'll tell you. I'm <laughs> going to tell you what I thought. I, I I think I did say what I thought this movie was. I thought this was about a lovely chef who was a little daffy who couldn't yeah. pull her shit together. A nice girl playing. I think not the Buffy wasn't nice, but kind of a um, kind of a an a, innocent, an innocent, right? Yeah. I thought she was playing a little against type. You know, you have cruel tension. She's playing. Buffy turned bad to some extent. Obviously, Buffy's kick ass heroine who's, you know, heart of gold. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought she was innocent. I thought she was kind of taken along the ride in this movie. I thought she found love through uh, a shared love of cooking. And um, I thought it was a very boring late 90s, early late 90s, where I'm coming by people in the early 20s. This is what this movie is. I will do my best to explain it to you, audience members. This movie is about, and and Phil said some of it in his Google. Uh,
3: I mean, that is what the movie's about. But sure, you, you feel free <laughs> feel free to, to to dive deeper. Top
0: that. I will do yes. my best. Reference. No, no,
1: you all right? So you, you <laughs> and i I want to come back to to the teen witch of it all, which I thought was very astute, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> this movie is about a, as Phil said, a chef, a mediocre chef, if that, a bad chef whose mother owned a restaurant called the Southern Cross, which. Uh, I guess was fairly good and now totally sucks, um, who is given a magical crab by a random guy dressed like
2: Colonel Tom Park.
1: Parker. Yes. Yeah. Um, who shows up randomly at a farmer's market where she knows everybody there. She's basically told her own restaurant is closing there, uh, but she didn't know that. She buys only raspberries at this farmer's market <laughs> and the crab, which she doesn't know how to make. Um, she wonder why
3: her restaurant went
1: under. (laughs) That's part of the joke of this. Is like she clearly is a shitty chef like yeah. a shitty shitty chef that's shitty. me at a
0: grocery store by the way it's like oh i need to go pick up like i'm gonna make like french chicken tonight but i should just get chocolate pudding cups because that's what i eat at home <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't i don't Fair need enough. to go and like buy I a know, whole chicken and I shit know. i'm gonna sit in the fridge it's gonna go to try i just need to buy raspberries and pudding
1: i know i like got home from dropping my kid off at school at nine i'm like ooh, nine podcast at 10 i have an hour i'm gonna make myself an omelet i, yeah. I mean I, I had a granola bar an omelet um, yeah i had an I Eggo
0: waffle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they they she she buys this stuff sean patrick flannery is then she's dating amanda pete who uh patricia clarkson who i guess is his assistant or friend or
0: inter 90s ultimate trope of the female executive assistant who's very yeah. invested in the mailbox yes yes life. that's yes. what that is he, his hottest
1: his hot assistant because she's gosh, very hot
0: beautiful stunning um, and
1: who's very hot and very thin, who makes a point of saying that Amanda Pete is like She's a, a stick or yeah. something? She's like, I tried to get her to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Uh, he's dating Amanda Pete. They're on the third date. They act as if they've been together for 100 years and hate each other already. Chuck Badger <laughs> Flannery has a, has a, has a, uh, PowerPoint presentation to show <laughs> how after his third dates it always goes terribly. It, it's bizarre. He like it's what I agree, Phil. The filmmaking is just terrible. Sean Patrick Flattery is taken by Gino O'Reilly, the man who looks like Tom Tom Parker, mm-hmm. to uh this restaurant randomly. He goes in, he eats there. Uh the food is incredible mm-hmm. because she's already had the magical crab who makes your food incredible. This is yeah. real.
0: This is um, chewy. Yeah
1: crabatouille. Yeah and yes he just <laughs> right. kind of stands there and looks at his <laughs> crab eyes. Then then like but I think the food makes you be really honest, right? That's the idea. Like,
3: yeah, it's it some you sort of feel of truth your feelings serum for the two it's of them.
0: It's muddy, it's muddy,
1: it, it's muddy. It makes you feel feelings really loudly and audibly. It and makes Amanda, you feel her feelings,
0: yes, that makes sense. That's clear. It makes you
3: feel Sarah Michelle Geller's feelings.
1: But, but why does Amanda Pete then get really mad about life and starts throwing plates around like in a very dangerous I mean, way? in that was a small restaurant, like.
0: That was an act of domestic terrorism. (laughs) And I was was like, like, that was
1: terrorist. Because part of me in the beginning was like, why cast Amanda Pete a very, a a, a very strong comic actress, in this thankless role? And then you are like, oh, of course, because she has this incredible set piece where she goes ham on a restaurant, like throwing these plates at people. Then I checked out for about an hour and a half, and then (laughs) that then like. Through like a, a set of more random circumstances, like she gets the job working at Sean Patrick Flannery's four star restaurant in the middle of Henri Bendel, uh, which is a department store, and. Because that's
3: where all the great restaurants are in the middle. Well, that I will. I that I will acknowledge.
1: They had a news report <laughs> early in the film saying you're trying okay, something okay. new here, a four star <laughs> restaurant in the middle of a, a department store. He's like, I think it's the future of dining, um, and he's like, some sort of you yeah. know genius diner uh-huh. person. Uh, and then, like, she cooks some more food for people. They feel some more feelings. Patrick, Patricia Clarkson is dying to fuck her boss, Dylan Baker. They eventually do in an air in an elevator after yeah, eating. He
3: gives them eclairs. At first. Yeah, that's after how that's this, how
1: I work. Yeah. After eating <laughs> the incredible eclairs, that Sarah Michelle Geller cooks, she takes over the restaurant. They have some wild fucking ass opening for it. And like, literally, the this is when the movie goes from like, is it good to to is it. Great.
0: amazing yeah
1: <laughs> he cooks this food for every oh, for for new york high society who are coming to the opening of this restaurant and they all start weeping yeah everybody in the restaurant starts weeping at this food a man who i could only assume is the poet laureate of new york city <laughs> stands up and starts reading a poem some of which i took down uh because it was so good good uh the the food is the perfect poem. This food is the perfect poem I've never wrote. It's happiness that only comes to you in dreams. I mean, like,
0: yeah, guys, as writers, I just think that we should appreciate the, the art. Beautiful. And then <laughs> the, the, the whole
1: room fills up with this smoky, you know, hazy serum of love. Everybody with atmosphere. dances like a dances like it's out of like Busby Berkeley's worst film. Um, like the it's it's all black and white behind them like it's just it's so weird and bad and wonderful and silly and goofy and then sarah michelle geller runs off i don't really know why she gets in a cab to leave forever sean patrick Flatter, who has an obsession with throwing the world's longest <laughs> airplane paper airplane like his thing is like howard hughes what's once- threw in a paper airplane for four miles i'm gonna beat it he has a paper airplane sculpture in his office he pulls one off he throws it per- this, is, this movie's amazing he throws it perfectly it lands he in her cab on her landing. lap he sticks the landing they fall in love and then they eat the crab i don't know what happens at the end i got lost uh but that's kind of this movie Lindsay. do you have anything you want to add yeah,
0: yeah. no there are a few things to there are a few landing. things to unpack here uh, well, you, you sort of grazed it earlier, but I want to unpack a scene later in the movie that I think is the most horrible scene in the film and yet hmm. the, the best and the strangest and the oddest shot. After Sarah Michelle Geller has successfully saved the day with the opening of this four-star restaurant in this department store, uh, you know she has an adversary in this movie. Not not just Amanda Pete, who we do away with in the in the plate <laughs> oh throwing God. early oh on. God. Which I thought about that scene. I think I understand that scene a little bit. Uh, but she has a very. I think I understand, mean, it. I think I understand it, guys. Uh, she has a very mean French sous chef in the kitchen who only with her. shows up. A- halfway through the third act he's the big bad of the movie he's the big bad of the movie and she's got to prove him wrong and you know she wins him over and by the end of the movie the food is so good he cracks open what I believe is a peach filled with white goo his eyes go crossed he dips a finger in it feeds it to the crab Mm -hmm. that is the most call me by your name fucked up (laughs) shit i have ever i yeah why are we cracking into the jizz peach i was why do we have a close up
1: good this is like (laughs) as i said to i said this to both of you because this was like all right so a couple things i mean so there's the jizz peach which i thought was great there's also the scene where the there's a little little tiny runner that the actual chef who's like the most amazing chef in the world like i can't believe you got you know jean-pierre francais to do your restaurant and he's really upset with the quality of the knives which is all to set up a scene where he just starts throwing knives at people to show how he wants to quit and he quits you know so the sous chef Lindsay alluded to is his sous chef Who shows up and she's like, usually he's like, usually Jean Pierre gives me uh, instructions (laughs) and I just follow them. What am I doing? She's like, I don't actually cook. The crab does the work. Larry (laughs) Gillard Jr. hangs out like basically just to tell her about like you know things men do with their boners. So. There's, okay. a, there's also a runner about every time a man adjusts his belt that means he is uh, aroused which you know as a man not true i have
0: questions uh, about that because there's a whole runner of like oh let's do the math well one two things sorry to interrupt you Kenny. but so were, weird there were two things one the paper airplane runner right and uh there's this great line where uh sarah michelle Geller knows about paper airplanes and sean patrick flannery's like how do you know so much about planes and she's like i was bad at algebra i don't know how that math adds up so crazy this is what i said
1: because at one point i really did think this was going to be the worst movie we did like there was a moment where i'm like oh this is the worst movie we're going to do all the whole time and i said and but but i but i now think this is a compliment what i'm going to read you this is the weirdest and worst film we've done it's like it's written by a few precocious 10th graders put together as a team to do a class project collaborate on a romantic comedy One heard the fact about men, uh, men and sex, how they, you know, think of sex every six minutes or whatever it was. One, another. uh, Every four, Another loves fairy tales with magical animals. And a third has a weird Howard Hughes predilection. And they just, it's like you put together three or four really weird 10th graders. and, And it was the situation where like everyone was too polite to be like, that doesn't work. Let's not do that everyone was just like yeah put it in put it in put it in but in real life and this is what i actually like this is when this movie started to really become kind of exciting and transcended to me was in real life this is a collaboration between a husband and a wife team i love the that fact that these two people who are married were like this is where their Venn Vendigo- diagram meets <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that gets them going as i said to both of you these two must, must be such a great hang could you imagine going to their house such a great hang, these weirdos. So, uh yeah, I i, I like. I truly am I, tickled by this. So, Lindsay, I mean, you up? are Lindsay. You are also someone who collaborates with your husband on some weird ass shit.
0: Yeah, we we love to collaborate on weird ass shit. I'm charmed by it. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm charred. I don't know. It's like I don't know that we could ever achieve. I feel jealous that John and I have never thought of anything as wackadoo as this. What is
1: what is your uh what is your 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 comic series called?
0: Oh, God, penguins versus possums. Yeah, and penguins
1: versus possums. possums doesn't hold a candle to this. That was wackadoo.
0: <laughs> that was wackadoo. Phil, I feel like you were about to jump in on, on I, our love fest of Simply I just, Restable. I don't,
3: first of all, I hate, I mean, I really don't want to be a wet blanket. Like, I don't want to be the person that says, like, you know, I don't agree with what you guys are saying. Because, like, that's not, there's, there's no fun in that. And it's not to say that what you guys are saying is falling on deaf ears. It's certainly not uh i i I think that part of my frustrations with this movie and it's sort of why i don't like the room either um we've talked a lot on this podcast about intent right which is when a filmmaker sits down and intends to make a thing and i completely understand and i have no problem necessarily with somebody watching a film that intended to do one thing, but getting enjoyment out of its complete failure of doing that or enjoying the film on a different level. That
1: is not the way we talk about it. I'm today. not, let me finish what I'm saying.
3: Okay. I, I, I think that it's, it's, a, it's, this film to me is having read these, and I will read these quotes from, from the director, Mark Tarlov and, and his wife, Judith Roberts, and talking about what they were perhaps intending to do with this film. And I think that if they were successful in doing those things for you guys, more power to them. That's completely fine. I don't think they were successful in achieving those things. And I understand the enjoyment that you get from a film that is, and again, I don't mean, I'm I'm certainly not attacking either of you. I, I think that the enjoyment of a film that is so crazy and so all over the place and so kind of wildly insane is fine there's nothing wrong with that i just didn't lock into that with this particular film
1: all right before we go further that is not how we talk about intent on this podcast or maybe it is if you want to talk about it that way you can but the way we talk about intent on this podcast generally is we assume intent if something makes you feel a certain way we give the director give the writer give the people who are involved with the film the benefit of the doubt that they at least they at least had more of a more of an understanding of their piece of work than we do so i don't as i said to you and i don't mean to like i know you didn't take it very nicely when i said it on our text but what a boring way to watch a film to 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 look at quotes the people said and said well does this film line up with the quotes who cares like i see something there i see something there that i think uh that, that i think implies or denotes that there's more going into this film than what those quotes you know uh, those two quotes on a Wikipedia page may um, portend or, 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 or really what any reviewer what anyone's you know kind of feelings of it the idea is the idea is the film is the thing the content is the thing what some director or some producer says about it and says what they they might have been trying to do is honestly totally fucking irrelevant to my enjoyment of a film well but you,
3: uh, okay and listen you're entitled
1: to that opinion
3: uh obviously <laughs> i i I hope, to I hope everybody not, watches your but... films
1: are are feel the same way that I do because it's not fair to watch something someone does I hope when people watch pretty little liar's original sin they don't start pulling up Lindsay's interviews and being like, well, you know, look, I mean, she wanted to do this thing and she's not. It's, it's all about the thing. Oh, Kenny, I just hope they watch it. (laughs) I'll be
3: there there day one. Kenny, you're you're being, I mean, listen, I understand what you're saying, but it's also this idea that we subscribe to the idea that a filmmaker has intent. Sure, then the filmmaker says that intent, but we don't agree with that intent, so we're going to project our own intent onto it. Seems a little bit. Filmmaker
1: says that intent. Read read the quotes, we can. We can, I'm just, I'm just, no filmmaker tells you, no filmmaker can tell you in two sentences what they meant to do with the film. You're a writer, you know this, Kenny.
3: Kenny, I love that you're going to the map for this movie, I love that this movie spoke to you, and that's fine, and I don't have a problem with that. But listen. I watched this movie. I didn't enjoy this film. I did the okay. I did the research into trying oh. to figure out what the fuck these filmmakers were trying to do. <laughs> you didn't. That's fine. Oh no, but I like, read. I just it. I just I don't just, think I just they... listen to what I'm saying. Okay, you just like, said I didn't. I'm telling you, I did. Kenny, go ahead. I just don't think. I, listen, personally speaking. I think it's great that this movie worked for you guys. I really do. I'm not sitting here saying that you shouldn't enjoy the film. I'm saying I didn't. And one of the reasons that I didn't is because I don't feel as though there is this Machiavellian plan that these two people had in terms of like, It's just just not there for me. I think the end of this film is charming. I think that that whole sequence with them eating the stuff is charming. I don't think there's anything wrong with that stuff. I don't think, however, it makes up for the fact that the preceding fucking
1: 70 minutes are (laughs) absolute fucking garbage nonsense. This is totally fair. This is a different discussion, though. But. Well, okay. Lindsay, please. Uh,
0: no, please. uh well I have a question because this is something we talked about earlier. How do we know how long it took to make this movie or what the budget was?
3: We we don't. And, is and, there and any? the budget the budget of the film was was, I believe, I, I uh the budget was six 25. million dollars. It made four point four. Oh. Um it, it's I again like I, I'm just I'm not trying to, to sit here and say that there was no intellectual aspirations for this movie. I'm just thinking that they failed at doing that.
0: Oh, I hear that. I think. I think it's so funny because I, when you watch it, it when you watch it at the time, and if you transport yourself to '99 and think about seeing it as I did, sure. I sure. think it was plated and served to you as a rom com, and the same right. way that you've got mail is, in which mm-hmm. case. Compar- comparatively, is terrible. Yes. Like if, if you if you put it up against the movies of the time that were served to you sure. as a rom-com, sure. terrible. Uh, and I think I even thought at the time, like, oof, man. And then when Cruel Intentions came out, it was like, oh, thank God. Everyone's forgotten about Simply Irresistible and Sarah's going to be okay. <laughs> I just want Sarah to be okay. Uh, though I do think she she did hold her own in this and was quite charming. Watching it today, weirdly, I guess, and thinking about what you said, Kenny, uh, and knowing now that the the pair who made this movie are a married couple, which does sort of change things to me as well, uh, of kind of like, what could we do together that's just fucking fun? Let's make a movie. Let's do it the way we want to. And also not discounting the fact that a woman did write this rom-com Shit. uh and and even though there are a lot of 90s tropes there they do sort of have a, a feminine touch even patricia clarkson it's like she's not in love with her boss she wa- she's not in love with sean patrick flannery mm-hmm. she wants to fuck someone else and i want your help to do it like i've got my right. own right, i don't right. care about who you're dealing with uh there's something about it that makes me think ooh are you touching on something Kenny were they poking at rom-coms was the woman who wrote this was she talking with her husband and was like women are always fucking cooking there's always the scene where like the (laughs) restaurant has closed the fuck down and she makes him something delicious and he wants to fuck her because he's never had an eclair so good like the woman's always magical there's always like a mat. like he makes the woman makes him feel like he's never felt before he makes him feel like a child again like he doesn't have to be a grumpy old business person he's whimsical like, okay. What else is fucking crazy? Like, is there a, like maybe the food is the food is the thing that's cooking for? I feel like there's something so tropey about it. It checks off all the '90s rom-com tropes that maybe they had to be yeah. something right. with it, and it was just ahead of its time.
1: Now that we're now that we're we're, we're going to talk about quotes and intent, I'll throw a quote to you. Mark Tarlov did an extended interview about this movie. Oh. With uh, with Blake J. Harris, who I happened to go to high school with. So there you go. Um, <laughs> the Mark- is- <laughs> Blake J. Harris. So this was for, the- I believe this was for uh, How Did This Get Made? Which this movie was featured on How Did This Get Made? Appropriately so. And sometimes they would do uh, interviews after. So basically, what he's trying to say is that, uh, and I think this is evident in this film, and this is why I say, say he is pushing the, the, I, that he's pushing the medium. Uh, he, he brings up this idea of uh, theory of relativity and Einstein's theory <laughs> of relativity. And the idea is if you have your hand on a stone on, on a stove, it feels like an hour, right? If you have your hand on a stove for a second, it feels like an hour time is relative based on the experience you're feeling. Right. So everything is relative. And when you're watching a, watching a film, um, nothing has to be the way it is. So many of the movies we love so much don't come out and tell you we are now in a magical realm. I, a movie that for whatever reason jumps to my head when I watch this movie is Eraserhead. Oh, yeah. a Racerhead. Because a because the the dinner scene in Eraserhead with the, the 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 chicken and all that shit reminds me in a weird way of what's happening in this film. Where no one in that movie is ever saying this isn't reality. It is all it, it is all kind of you know, within the, the 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 guise of, of course, it's not reality. It's a fucking movie. We we'll do whatever we want. You know, that's all of Lynch to me. Sure, sure. You know, it's it's a movie. We do whatever we want. I make the rules, right? Okay, so the crab. I he, Blake asks about the crab yeah the crab idea is very much this notion of guys this is not possible it's not real magic it was really supposed to be a be the conduit for this notion of an american kind of magical realism right this is not really happening what we're showing you like people floating in the ceiling they're not literally floating in the ceiling and i thought well let's just take an element of this and nobody by the way ever said to me don't crabs live in water like can a crab live on a shelf because i would have said to them well no that is the point boy point. So we shot a whole stuff about the crab the life of the crab uh the life of the crab and it was and it was the way we were going to get an intellectual conceit of the of a magical american magical realism the crab was really a conduit for that piece of storytelling it was intellectually maybe as my partner said a little too ambitious but you know when it comes to things like that i believe in the opposite of pt barnum i think people are a lot smarter than they let on and blake says as a viewer i appreciate that so the crab was the embodiment of the whole idea of Einsteinian theory of relativity. And the fact that pheromones can change time and space, you know, the whole idea, you know, in a popular song about time standing still when you see the right person or floating or whatever. It was all the embodiment in that crab, but very obviously artfully done, done better in the director's cut. All right, I will stop it right there. Do you, but, but do you,
3: I mean, look, that's all, well, that's all fine and good. I, I appreciate all of the things that, that he, do you think he was successful in
1: Doing this, like, do you think that
3: he can? Oh, bait? yeah,
1: yeah, totally. But I don't think that's. I don't think that's. I, 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 <laughs> okay. I no, know What we're saying, okay. but, 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 it's. Do I do? This is what I want to make that. I want to make this clear. Okay. I think all he was trying to do mm-hmm. was make the attempt. So by making the attempt, by doing, by even, by even attempting to do these things with the crab and the floating and the magical realism without ever calling magical realism simply putting these stuff on the stuff on the screen that's a success right that is pushing the bounds. that is taking the audience and taking them out of their comfort zone and what they have come to expect from uh, a romantic comedy or an American movie in 1999 was he successful like I don't even know like like is David Lynch successful with the with the the baby who looks like an alien. Well, I mean, of course, I think the answer is yes. God forbid I should say anything blasphemous about David Lynch, but like, it's only success. It's the 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 by simply putting it on the screen, you start to get t- get taken out of your comfort zone. Start to ask questions of why is this here? What is happening? What is this representing? How did this even make it here? I do and have then, questions. Then you're playing ball with the with the movie a little bit. So if you're willing to play ball with this idea of like, all right, this fucking crab is really Fucking crazy! What is going on? I'm that quote to me at least answers the question of it's more than just let's throw a silly animal in there. Like there were there were thoughts behind it, so maybe he wasn't successful in your opinion, but at least you can engage with it the way that he intended. At this point, this is I know this is crazy. I love yeah, saying crazy I, I mean, shit.
0: I. I wish poor, I poor wish everyone. I could get
3: on this ride with you guys. I <laughs> yeah, really do. And I don't say ride. that in a patronizing way. I oh, wish I that I are. agreed. I do. Uh, I, I just, I, I think that this, I think this movie, despite <laughs> the fact that it's making valiant attempts at stuff, is just, to, to, to speak of it in the same sentence with David Lynch is just, is is something i, I mean i, think I, David I hear Liz you would
1: appreciate it i think he would appreciate it in that in that the the goal of making a movie so the goal of making the movie is creating your own world and like not even the goal though the reality of making a movie is creating your own world and any attempt to that deviates right. from uh tropes and and typical structure in and of itself is a bit of a victory that's kind of why i like the room you know
0: it, uh, it, no, it look it. It feels like a victory. This this got made. Of course, this was on how did this get made? I wish I sh- I'm going to listen to that immediately. Yeah, absolutely. I um, it. I do have questions. I do have <laughs> questions. Uh, now that you bring up questions, Kitty. Uh, one, who is Gene O'Reilly? Is Gene the man doing the magic or is the crab doing the magic? I'm not sure. I'd have to say one thing too. I didn't think I would ever feel any tension in the movie. The only time I felt tense in the movie was when the crab was in a scene with the mean chef before the ending. And I was like, he's going to kill kill the fucking crab. crab. He's going to feed the crab. And I felt tense and I wasn't expecting that. So I'm glad he's okay. So clearly I'm invested. John
1: John Waters- Mm. Would have had him cook the crab, hundred percent, and totally. and sure. that's interesting in its own
0: right. <laughs> totally. I'm like the crab lived is crazy, and then and then the other question. is sorry, I have actually no, please, please, yes. Yeah. So the crab living is crazy. I was like the crab de- deserves death, and then the other question is: so is she in your sort of you know magical realism? Is the crab even there? Like maybe this is all real, like. In a version where this is real, this is magic, the crab is magic, the crab is responsible for all good things. What happens to Sarah Michelle Geller and Sean Patrick Flannery's love when that how long do crabs live? What happens when the crab goes away? What happens when he finds out this bitch can't really cook? Like that's, that's what, a
1: really great and totally relevant.
0: happens? Question. Because the answer's I, nothing. Nothing. Because I thought, like, oh. And the other thing is throughout the movie it's like the other thing is like oh no Sarah Michelle Gellar like her her best friend in the restaurant's like you're talented the reason you can cook is not earrings it's because you're really good at this and she's like I'm definitely not oh, I
1: fucking love this movie actually I'm, now, I'm, now, I'm not the, the, the fact that she had some stupid ass fucking uh answer for why she became a good cook which was she's wearing her mom's earrings my dead mom's actually, earrings it was actually magical crab is so funny and good and weird so the answer to your like really interesting but totally relevant question is nothing happens to them after them because the because they don't exist after this because they don't exist period they like when the movie ends these characters die but I want they're not to know. real i want to believe they live but, on but i that, but that's what i mean that's why i love the artifice of this movie it really is calling
0: i'm, head, I'm <laughs> heading i'm heading towards i'm heading towards phil's part of the the kinsey scale of of simply irresistible now yeah no I, but- I have so well the question. I thought I guess as I watched the end of the movie, I was like, are we gonna get to a place where Sarah Michelle Geller learned to, uh, enough? Sarah Michelle Geller is the chef, like she does have talent, she can do this. And the truth is she brings nothing to the table. I like it. She is beautiful, and she and I do think Sarah Michelle Geller is winning. And I think she showed up to work in the movie. She gave us tears, she gave us emotion, she like she gave us whatever she could. Sometimes. And I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed. I just I just love her. Uh but the one thing she didn't give us as a chef was the ability to chop a vegetable or cook. And then we find out that it's the crab the whole time and it continues to be the crab. And the only reason Sean Patrick Flannery's in love with her is because she makes great eclairs. So I'm just really, I feel the same tension I felt when I thought the crab was going to die. I feel like he's going to, I feel like, I feel like he's going to ask her to like make him breakfast at home and the crab's not going to be there and she's not going to make him a good meal and he's going to leave her. What does that say about me? (laughs) Well, he's
3: definitely going to leave her because this guy is is clearly... Like he he goes on three dates and then he dumps people.
0: But so he really has a not... whole a whole presentation about it. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: none of it really matters. It's it's a, it's a silly it's a it's, a, it's just a silly movie that exists in the silly movie world. I feel stressed. Uh, but that's what I love about it. Now Then I'm I'm more taken with with this. I'm more taken with every aspect of this movie <laughs> than I was when I stopped when when I finished watching it. It's it's extremely fucking weird but also really fucking bold i don't know how to say it like this is these are some really bold ideas to put out in a studio movie star sarah michelle keller
0: i do i would love the pit i would love to be in the room in the 90s where you hear like and it was all the crab
1: like i would l- love that oh, oh my my other point where you were you're saying was it what is the crab real is the crab are they really fun? like i i I'm again because I'm only you know comparing this to the greatest movies ever made. I'm I'm brought to Magnolia, which was you know kind of like my my baptism moment for movies, like the moment where I'm like, where I'm like, oh, I get it, right? But it did happen when the when it's raining frogs. But it did happen was the moment that I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like if it's in a movie, it happens. Stop letting your stupid brain get in the way, like. This isn't real. This is a movie. It doesn't have to make sense in our terrestrial understanding of reality. It, there are different planes of existence, and this is one of them. And and so, like, is the crab real? Yeah, the crab's real because it's in this fucking movie. Did they float? Yeah, they floated because it's in this fucking movie. It's all real in, a, in in the way it's presented to you. It's like I'm, again, this is a magnolia, and I'm not trying to say it is, but that is the that is the baptism of of magnolia. It is, it is get out of your own fucking way and and, and engage with what you're actually, you know, being given. Whew. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I
0: mean, I,
3: I I'm just I, I listen. I, I'm I'm asking
1: you to get out of your own way and engage with what I'm giving no, you. You're no, you're no. you won't it's, engage. I, not, I know I know
3: that you I know you think this is <laughs> that this is a failing on my part. And that's fine. I didn't say that, but
1: I think that you are, I think that you, I think that you have your walls up, Phil. I don't,
3: Kenny, I watched this film. We've watched many movies together. Okay. So many, so Almost four years of doing this. And periodically this happens where you connect with a thing that I don't connect with and that's fine. And it's happened vice versa. Um, this is just what it is man like i i appreciate your passion for this movie i know you think i'm being patronizing i'm not i feel the that, only
1: time i think you're being patronizing is when you say you know i know you think you're being patronizing i don't think you're being patronizing you're engaging you're i, you're, you I feel the way you this, feel i
3: think that this movie is a, a symptom of a time when a movie like this could get made where this guy produced a couple successful John Waters movies he was able to get six million dollars to make this rom-com that I'm sure was just a charge off in some way and the studio was like sure and and they let and they let him do it and and he never made another movie again for obvious reasons because he doesn't too he doesn't bold, know how to make too, movies.
1: Too bold, um, and you know his yeah, ideas it's not are too big too bold. and bold. It's and scary. This movie's bad, People don't Penny. know what to do with him. But uh... <laughs> I, I love that you think he's an auteur, and that's <laughs> he, great. He is very good This that, is like, just... the, the fact that you don't like it is different. That's taste. He actually is an auteur. Like this is Kenny looking me. looking
3: at Roger Ebert's review of this film, right? Ebert which is it. But Kenny, that's the only good review you can find is from someone who just kind of projected his own rom-com ideas onto it. It's this is not. Listen, I'm not. Phil, it's
1: Phil. It's not. It's it's not. With no, you know, with with all due respect, at the at the risk of being patronizing, it's not ever going to. uh, It's not ever going to to convince me or compel me in an argument for you to say i'm the only one who feels this way i don't no, give a Kenny. shit I, I, like not,
3: i can't i'm not listen i'm not sugi- i'm just telling you that again you can be the, the i you should love this movie i don't care if you love this movie i'm just saying that to to there there are a lot of assumptions being made in my opinion as to why this film was made the way this film was made that's all. And and you're more than empowered to make those assumptions. And I'm more than empowered to say I don't see those assumptions
1: and this movie doesn't work for me. That's you are fine. you are certainly allowed to do that. That's, what I'm saying to you is I think they're supported by the text.
3: I, I, I think that Kenny, I think that you're I think that there is certainly if I you said it best a couple minutes ago, which is if you're willing to get on, the, on what you believe is the wavelength of this movie, then it's going to support all the things that you're saying. And I'm just not getting on that wavelength no, with it. You
1: don't, of course. And you certainly don't have to get on any wavelengths any, and that you, you don't want to get on. Uh, but I think that we've done so many movies here and particularly on the Razzie's draft as well. Like the sure. one that this really does remind me of in terms of what I'm seeing versus uh, what everyone else in the world is seeing is Color of Night. Yeah. Which, you know, I also think is, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a masterpiece and a bit of a comment on the uh on the genre it's playing mm-hmm. in without coming out and being like, parody, parody, parody. Um, and I think they're both kind of similarly brilliant, and they're both made by directors with really interesting filmographies who had never got a chance after who I think tried something different. And if you engaged with both those films are actually both this film and that film are both actually challenging, but people just didn't want to get on their way. I think that there's something to this idea. I'm just going to say one more thing. I think there's something to this idea of the late in life auteur, which both of these guys are. I don't remember the guy who directed uh, Color of Money, but you know, his color one of other film. Yeah.
2: It's a color, a of, night.
1: color of night. <laughs> but his one other film was nominated for he was nominated for best director and best screenplay. Um mm-hmm. the stuntman. The so color he, purple. The that color was- <laughs> that was Steven. A Spielberg. Very different film, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I would take the color of night over it. But um, no <laughs> knock on color purple. Good film. <laughs> Brilliant! Um,
0: by the way, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> great
1: film. You probably haven't seen Color of Night recently. Then <laughs> yeah, recently, <I> <laughs> the thing with Color of Night, and the thing with Color of Night, and Simply Irresistible is I think they are both the work of really frustrated men who have spent a lot of time in the movie industry right. trying to get their shit made. Had really specific ideas of what a film could be in the genre, what works mm-hmm. in the genre they plan, what doesn't work in the genre they plan, and they tried to get it across in a way that was easily misread but that that's why i like them so much that's why i think they're so cool is because you really have to give the movie your undying uh what's the word i'm looking for every benefit of every doubt i understand that like you have to be like this movie's worth my time i will engage with it you know completely and i think they are both very rewarding i know that sounds crazy well no i i don't think it sounds crazy and and i just
3: i just want to be very very clear about something here because millions of people have lost weight with personalized
0: plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and
3: still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right Kenny and I love a swing, right? We love someone attempting something, taking a swing and being bold and doing something potentially crazy, uh, you know, filmically, artistically, whatever the case might be. I am 100% into that notion, right? Uh, I, I And I think that that is absolutely the reason we should, why we do what we do, right? Which is as artists, we're trying to express ourselves. We have a thing we want to say. And sometimes we're lucky enough to get to say it. And I think that there is absolutely the intent of trying to do something with Simply Irresistible and with Color of Night. I just don't think they're successful in what they're attempting to do. Now, you can think they are, obviously. That's completely your prerogative. And that's your taste and wildly successful. Is what I would say. Okay, right, fine. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I fine. I think
2: they could have
0: been bolder in the filmmaking of this story. This and movie this could.
3: Have, I think that this movie just could have uh, taken uh, bigger swings uh, in uh, certain agreed. ways. But, I think but this I'll, could. Oh yeah,
0: no, please,
1: I just, I just
3: just to, just to finish my thought. I'll just say this. I I think that uh, I understand why you love this movie and why you love Color of Night, Kenny. And there's and obviously that's completely your choice. I think that had these films been more successful in what they were attempting to do, I would have been on board. They're just, I know that, that, that there is a challenging thing that, that, that can be interpreted as like, once I've, once I've risen to the challenge, this movie will break through and I will love this film. I just don't think that, that that this or color of night falls into that category for me, but they do for you. And that's, totally fine but lindsay please obviously go.
0: yeah no i hear you on i guess what i mean too with going bigger and bolder and embracing what was on the page stylistically right you i forget who maybe you kenny brought up like the terrible looking restaurant right like even to unpack things like the production design in a movie like this the department store should be whimsical as shit The restaurant should be fucking beautiful and bright and colorful. And every single thing on the screen should be magical, I think, with what's on the page. But I do feel like some of the shots were sort of like, it was like watching serendipity or watching like a movie that was set in New York or set in a department store without the element of a woman who's cooking with the aid of a magical crab. And even things like the costumes, right? Like, as far as filmmaking, the things that always jump out at me are like come on guys it's like Sarah Michelle Gellar has two shirts she has this one gold tank top that she is in four different scenes on three different days in the movie with two but different hairstyles But she does have styles.
3: that that insane like jacket that looks like curtains that she wears to uh That's great the- that that's did, great yeah. so, and that's like, one one nice outfit one, quote, se-
0: one yeah. like sex so that he'll think of sex with one sexy sure, sure. one sexy mid-length jacket which yeah, I yeah. which mm-hmm. I love I love the friend like helping her pick out the outfit yeah. but I do think like even when we go into her bedroom it's like the walls were beige like there are some things yeah. that aren't about budget or aren't about time they are about taste and I think like with what you have on the page, which is so crazy and so wacky, and, and you kind of just want the whole world to feel like fucking Willy Wonka's a little bit, just to kind of go into a nut so place.
1: This is this is where you and I diverge. <laughs> we can we can this diverge. Is where you and, and I diverge.
0: We can di- come at me, bro. <laughs> this
1: is this is where this is this is this is our fork in the road, and it's not that like I disagree with you, but like and this is like again a kind of crazy thing to say but like I think I think this movie is so in control of what it's doing <laughs> that uh every de- every decision was a decision um and and it wasn't just like you know let's use the set that's here or let's use the cheap set or we can't think of anything good for Sarah Michelle Geller, so let's use beige walls I I I, I, again, I feel the same way I felt about Color of Money, which Color of Money looks pretty fucking ugly. Color of right? Night. Color of <laughs> Night. Color, <laughs> color of purple, <laughs> Night. The Color
0: Purple. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Goldberg. First Academy Award. Yeah.
1: Color of Night looks pretty ugly. It really does. But it does, you know, they, they just feel like they're evocative of a certain type of movie. And when you say it looks like serendipity, I feel like that is... A decision. I feel like that is on purpose. I feel like this is all kind of on purpose. And again, you know, it's the to me, it's that John Waters aesthetic of everything looking like it was built. On uh, a Baltimore soundstage with non-union workers, but
0: I think John um, Waters said, "I think that like uh, like you know a John Waters movie by looking at one frame of you one do, scene. you do, and you're but like I, that's, that's a style. If I saw one frame of this movie, and again, I'm so, I loved it for what it is, but I don't think I'd be like, oh, this is this filmmaker's movie. Like this is style. This is like a Wes Anderson. Movie. You know what I mean? I, I feel I, like
1: I know. I and I, know. I I
0: think you're right. I think the decisions were made. I think. My thing is we had this question at the top was what stops a movie like this from having a cult following and I think it's style because the movie itself is fucking nuts like the log line is enough to make everybody go see it at outdoor movies every summer in LA like it just is it's like that's like what you go see right but when you watch it you're like oh some of this visually, aesthetically is flat and too flat for what the story, the crazy story that I don't understand of the movie sure.
1: is. There are but I also, things. It's a good, oh, go ahead, Phil.
3: Can I just, very, one quick thing, just because you mentioned the, like, seeing it out on a summer movie screen, sort of what have you. Yeah. And this will surprise you not at all, uh, uh, Kenny. I tweeted about this last night and Jordan Cruciola replied, is this the first time you've seen it? As though- I would have seen this film multiple times. Like yeah. Jordan Cusiole, who is notoriously, we love her. She's been one on of the great contrarians of all time. What, the, <laughs> perhaps the greatest contrarian. There are no bad movies for Jordan Cusiole, as far as I'm concerned. Well, other than are... like Atonement, is basically the only one she's decided oh, wow. to hate on. No, no,
1: Jordan. Jordan dislikes the canon and loves everything else. And I love her for it very much.
3: I, she, I mean, yes. And, and by the way, she can similar to Kenny, she can defend it. Uh, and more, more power to both of them. But she was immediately like, I, "I guess there might be a subculture of some sort that is really into." Well, there there sport.
1: should be. So I, I think to Lindsay's, <laughs> I think to Lindsay's point Fair. because I, I I kept meaning to to come back to the teen witch point, which was the best point. <laughs> if this movie, this movie does feel like. Uh, an eighties movie. It feels Old. like it does, you know, like, yes. like Mannequin, right? Like oh, one of these, which I love. Mannequin, totally. Teen Witch, like this Mannequin like, Two on the Move, Mannequin Two. These things are these things are. Ha- you yeah. know, we did Weekend, Bernie's, right? Weekend did. of Bernie's, right? Weekend 1. of Bernie's One, and we loved Weekend of Bernie's, right? Love. If this these film was really, released
3: in the eighties, I think to your point, this movie might have might have been huge. The,
1: so there's. If this movie was released in nineteen eighty nine as opposed to nineteen ninety nine, it would have gotten play uh, on Showtime over and over and over again yep. when people were watching yeah. Showtime. Now, the other reason I think it is not, and, and by the like the cult classics of the late nineties, for the most. Part. Uh, like, are
0: darker I think yeah they're they're,
1: they're different they are yeah, yeah. look at the they're team not... mo- the team movies that 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 survived from the 90s you know yeah. you exclude election because you know it's a different jawbreaker kind of I think falls into that category dark. I was gonna say you know like the 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 top of mind ones. so she's all that the 10 things I hate about, about sure. you
0: I, uh, I think about oh well, those are fun oh I do love it but I think those are on like,
1: like
3: Disney ABC Family totally. they're like played all the time
0: yeah. I think about like the Virgin Suicides which to me I think is like an excellent sure, movie and I've rewatched yeah. that movie but that's like wow that's a dark and, and that movie was a period piece and then there was a lot of yeah. movies that were in the '90s that were set in the '70s but that to me was like ooh the the late '90s for teens are kind of doing something dark. Uh, yeah totally,
1: and then we totally. yeah, I mean you could include Election but you could also totally. include Dick in that you could also include Drop Dead Gorgeous we've done a lot of movies. Yeah with teen actors that are but i'm a cheerleader a lot of movies with teen actors in in the teen world that like you know i'm a cheerleader has a really soft soft heart but you know it's dealing with some pretty fucked up shit yeah it's a gay
0: conversion camp it's like it's 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 a
1: love story at its center but yes and a lot of these are but i but those are the cults the the movie we're one of the cult movies there are also these movies that are kind of you know the the forever movies and she's all that and 10 things i right hate about you and uh never been kissed and all those yep. films and varsity then Varsity blues yeah varsity blues and I then don't want these- your life then there are these films that you know we've done that like yes. kind of don't exist, like Sibley is definitely one of them. I would say yeah. the Melissa Joan Hart movie tried me crazy is that Ash oh, Lyles yeah, yeah, yeah. we like it too, but yeah. you know it, it, it is kind of lost it, it, time it didn't to some make a, it didn't make an impact but i I, uh, I do
3: think you're right that that it's similar big t v well, star that kind of and the there are, to yeah.
1: there are a bunch of them, and there are also a bunch of these like big t v stars tried to make movies like three the Tango and that movie yeah, yeah, and it yeah. disappeared and all that shit okay. The other thing that I would say this movie could have benefited from, though, again, I might have liked it less, but it would have been a better, more of a cult movie, is a funnier script. Like, we just did 17 again. And seventeen again is almost the opposite of this, and that seventeen again is the most boring fucking film of all time. If it were not for <laughs> the performances, a system. bunch of really, really <laughs> yeah. great performances, and carrying it, yeah. and some yeah. really funny, you know, yeah. some really funny uh, uh, secondary characters. Leslie Mann and Thomas Lennon are really funny, well written characters, and my guess is the actress brought a lot to that. Um, we don't have this in this movie. This movie is this movie is too. David Mamet-ish to let characters go that far outside, <laughs> outside it of this Lynchian to yeah. let their characters to to have characters that don't conform to this weird-ass world.
0: The dialogue but- is grounded, like it is strangely a grounded rom-com with a magical crab. That it's not is
1: that co- it's not that comedic. The funniest thing is when Dave, when Sean Patrick Flanery starts to realize what's going on. it's like, yeah. well,
3: "What's so happening? I, I have to ask this question and it is not I'm not trolling here, but I got to ask this question, okay? <laughs> I'm not you trolling know- either. I know you're not.
2: I'm not I, just, I, I am. That. <laughs> That's
0: why I came. I'm just here to watch the world bird. I'm here to watch the world burn. You're just and the and I'm just, like, i the
3: So here's here's the thing, Kenny, and it, and it's it's one of the things that makes me stumble on perhaps your thirty thousand feet theory on this film, which 25. is that twenty five. <laughs> I think that this. I think this film is consciously aware of the tropes and the genre that it is a part of right so it's it is it's it is engaging in those narrative ideas and then also choosing to not engage on certain things so it becomes kind of neither fish nor fowl for me right which is that there's you're watching the film being like okay so there are no magical rules to this movie unlike a 17 again where like there are sort of rules but like it is what it is well we
1: spent this, the whole podcast talking about that those rules make no sense but sure yeah no no
3: uh, i i know but I'm, I'm i'm saying that they that they attempt to give us enough guardrails to be able to go along with the story sure. there's the, there's what there's, there's one there's one none of that, that here this movie is there's no guardrails to this movie which can That's either be true. a good thing or a bad thing love it No rules,
0: just right. It's like Outback Steakhouse. (laughs) No rules, just right. It's
2: like
3: whatever goes, we're good. Sure. I mean, that sounds glorious. There's a freedom to that, which I think is great. So the the lack of guardrails, but also there are guardrails because it is playing in a sandbox of tropes and, and romantic comedy genre. It creates this dissonance where you're just sort of like, well, what am I supposed to be invested in? Now, again, I get where you're coming from, Kenny, which is perhaps they don't want you to invest in really anything, and it's I just think chaos.
1: I, 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 think, I, I think you could, I think the term neither fish nor fowl, I, I mean, I think you can be surf and turf. Right. so
0: like, This is I, great. I, I, think like, Every, I think everything but the kitchen sink went into this film.
1: <laughs> I think, are there any other? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think there's something to that that notion. Like I think about. I mean, it's a weird comp, but I think about a movie that I totally love, just scary movie, yeah. and scary Ooh, movie. Wow. This is is so crazy and funny and mm-hmm. irreverent, and then like kind of has a great twist ending (laughs) and like you kind of at the end you're kind of like what just happened you were setting that up the whole time that was amazing so i do think that there that and i i think like the quote-unquote romance of this is not very successful but the you know i'm not trying to say it is and by the way if if you if you don't think they're aware of what they're doing listen back to this to to the score the score is Ludicrous. Insane. Insane. It's, Ludicrous. I,
0: I actually wrote down last night listening, I was like, is the score maudlin? Because there were moments where Ludicrous. it's like, Dig-dig-dig. the score was so morose. And, and like the score that was playing as Sarah Michelle Geller's crying to the clientele of 90 year old grandparents who come for like the chicken pie art. I was, why is this such a morose well, score? See,
3: I, I want to just, that's worth just unpacking for a quick second here because okay, I- I,
1: hold on before we get on the score because i don't want to lose the score i just want to finish okay. the, my thought which was essentially uh i do think that you know in terms of like guardrails magic realism guardrails i like them because i'm not the kind of person who could make a lynchian film um but the people who can it's huh. you know the people who can who can basically say you know this this godar godar idea of none of it matters like we're making it all up as we go along anyway, aren't we? Uh, I think that that is really uh, liberating and exciting. And I think there is a, I, I know this sounds crazy, a weird little element of that to it. Okay.
3: <laughs> I, I'll just, I want to I, I unpack the score for a quick second because I do think it speaks to what you're talking about, Candy. Because I, I, I genuinely feel, because I remember uh, when, when we did uh, the, the pilot for Sleepy Hollow, we watched the pilot without a score. And I'm sure you guys have watched episodes without score, right?
0: Totally. Yeah. And
3: you watch it and you're just like, Yeah, okay, I think this is working. I'm not really sure. Then the score is there, and you're like, I know how to feel now, right? Like it is just an undercurrent of just it binds the whole thing together. God,
1: it's which, is, which is which is which yeah. is why one of my least favorite criticisms of a score mm. is the score is telling me how to feel. Bro. That's, That's, <laughs> That's what it's supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. Right. I
3: think but this movie, I'm like, how I am I
0: supposed to feel? So that's a great point. And, that, and it's so funny that we all noticed the score. And I literally wrote the score down, which is something I didn't think I'd be doing, like watching this movie. And it's so, it's so about tone. And that, I think, goes back to what we were talking about of the style of the movie, of capturing what's on the page yeah. of this movie. The score was a very was playing for a very different movie than this movie. That is style, right? That is it's a choice. Yeah. That's a choice. It's a choice they made, but it's yes. like give your give your composer, have him do a round of notes on this one. Let's make let's make right. this a bit brighter. Let's tell the story. Let's tell a romance. Let's because I did feel confused. Like, oh am I depressed? Am Almost, I like, yes?
1: Almost every happening? aspect of this movie is designed for cognitive <laughs> dissonance like it just it it just is and i think there are so many examples of these like wild ass auteurs you know like using star i mean like it's like uh it's like asayas you always using Kristen stort it's there is there is just something to like using these people because now she's you know indie darling weirdo chick but like before then she was i love her she was so everyone does she's the best before that she was bella what's her name from swan bella swan Swan. like
0: but before that she was indie darling is the thing like before that before
1: that she she was in panic room Uh, um but yeah no she obviously that's her sensibility but like I'm just saying, there is something cool when some like wild ass indie person finds their you know their movie star is willing to go on these journeys Nicole Kidman with with uh, Lars von Trier yeah. it's and I and I'm not saying that like Sarah Michelle Gellar and you know this dude Mark are the next Tarlov Mark Tarlov are the next great you know duo a- actor actor <laughs> a, uh, actor director duo <laughs> but like it is fun to ground it in the in the expectations of you know young beautiful starlet and then subvert and you know mess with mess with the audience every step of the way
3: I think that the you know the pairing that I think of musically music to director is Terrence Blanchard and the work he does with with Spike Lee is some you know Spike Lee's one of those guys who periodically I do find myself taken out of his films by his scores because his scores can be very oppressive and very sort of like you know yeah the mix even at times you're just like is this just like mixed really loud like he's and and that's an intent thing right like he's definitely going for it um and and so i I think that that harmony no pun intended of these two artists is really special and really interesting there's obviously a lot of filmmakers that work consistently with composers for obvious reasons um but yeah this this was just one of those like the score just i was like to your you said it best, Kenny. Every part of this movie is is throwing you off, and I think that that's <laughs> either an asset or or not, right? like and and I can understand the joy that a person, specifically Kenny Nybart, can get from <laughs> from from that genuinely, where you're just like, this movie is so fucking in your face doing something so crazy that's exciting and and more times than not it's exciting for me too every now and then it's not and for this it's not but I but I understand
0: It, it did to me feel like it 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 was not that it didn't know what it was but maybe it was scared of what it was and some of these things we're talking about were like, ooh, you know, is score score something that's addressed last, right? It's like, maybe the score was pluckier. Maybe there was a brighter, maybe there was a different tone to this movie. Maybe the notes were such that are that are like, this is too crazy. This is too wacky. Like, we need to feel sad when she's talking about our dead mother. And it's like, eh, dude. like right. Maybe these things, but, but they, it really did shape the tone in a strange way.
1: You know, you know what I, I said? Yeah. You know what sorry, I said at the end, Phil? Because mm-hmm. I, most of my notes, like, up to half halfway point are like, this is... This, this sucks, bad. I hate this. Like, I said, like, <laughs> one point, I said it's, like, it's, like, decom quality, which is what I thought it was. <laughs> and then, uh, and I said the cover of Every Little Things is a crime against the years. Oh, but the I think,
0: soundtrack? Like, it was, was insane. just...
1: But, but now I'm, like...
0: It, it, like Brilliant. The, Brilliant. Well, so now good. I'm, like, I'm, like yeah,
1: I'm not a chef's kiss, right? Now, now I'm, like... <laughs> maybe they knew it was a bad cover because it's a really bad it's a really cover. bad cover <laughs> <laughs> like, so it's, a- it,
2: it's
0: a cheap cover that's why i was asking yes. about, that's yes. why i was asking about budget because oh, yeah. it's like oh how much money did you have for these i think about this a lot with 80s movies i do think this is an, a movie that's out of time now all i can think is like date with an angel like this movie would have right. been like big in the 80s but i think about a movie like an 80s horror movie, which I'm obsessed with Night of the Comet. Uh, and that movie, it goes back to a cover of Cyndi Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun throughout the movie. What's
3: Night of the Comet?
0: Oh, Night of the Comet is this amazing zombie apocalypse movie. It's, oh, wow.
3: I'm looking it's, at this right now. By the
0: way, it's a beautiful movie. It's shot beautifully. It is um, a zombie apocalypse uh two sisters one's a cheerleader one's like a badass motorcycle chick and they're hiding out this in a great. mall yeah. Yeah. uh it's one of my favorite oh, Phil, you'd love this movies. yeah this
3: sounds great i'm yeah. definitely gonna watch this It's also apparently influenced the creation of buffy summers so there you go
0: absolutely i told i see all of it that movie was, was you know an 80s kind of b-horror movie that i think does have actually a cult following it's an amazing movie They had they made it probably for ten dollars. Every song in the movie is a cover of a song and a really bad cover of a song, but it's popular music. It's like girls just want to have fun, but a shitty cover. And it's like, oh, smart. You can get the energy of that amazing song, but you can pay someone seven dollars to do it. That's how I felt about this. Was like, guys, you can't even like blow it all out for the police. It's It's like put like dedicate money to
1: one good needle drop. One but, but what's crazy needle. about it is this the same year Sheryl Crow had a cover of this song yep. that was there that is also right That is so terrible. It's one of my least favorite songs ever made. The cover minus uh,
0: minus picture with Sheryl Crow and Kid Rock. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible
1: song. I But, that's but a I love Sheryl Crow. <laughs> I love her too. Uh, she it really is very bad. What she does sometimes, you know, you, you can't, you can't, can't deny that. You know,
0: she got some stinkers. But she started.
1: She started as Michael Jackson's backup singer. Like, there's just something to like. There is a a real. Amazing. I love her. I love her, but there's a real like. I'm not gonna say no to shit. Like I I worked my ass for the, I worked my ass yeah. off for of this. I'm just not gonna say no. So uh, yeah. all right, well the thing about can i can i just say one quick thing here um
3: there was there's there are lines in this movie that i found myself going that's circling something that's potentially profound and then like there's a line that amanda says to to tom near the end of the film because he panics and he thinks she's a witch or whatever and as, (laughs) as he's leaving she says a man's character is his destiny I think that means something, but I don't really know what that, what that means. Like it's, I, I it, it's just, it's again, I think to Kenny's point, this is emblematic of the film for me. Writers sat down and wrote that line thinking it meant something. Oh my God.
0: And they were like, oh, that's, and
3: they're like, this is, this is profound. There's something oh, like- here. And then you actually take a second to look under the hood and you're like, no, I don't really think that means anything mm-hmm. like that just means like be a good person. But anyway mm,
1: i think uh profunders profundity is uh is always overrated there's no such things the only profound line ever written was um what is death but love perseverance you and you, everybody yeah. and everybody <laughs> and everybody made fun of that but that's a profound Kenny, line. you you know that there
3: are lines that you've that you love that mean something to you and have Not no me. wrong no? guy
1: uh, every little on. thing he does is magic. I love that. Come line. on, you, that's that's I, I see. So, clear, so I want to say okay. this. I want to say this to you, Phil, because I at near the end of this, I said, maybe even weirder and better than Freddie Got Fingered. So that's how much I love this film. <laughs> I think it is I think it is on Freddie Got Fingered's wavelength
0: i'll say this I, and this yeah, is yeah, yeah, this is someone who to her husband said every day says daddy would you like some sausage yeah we I love movie. we love that movie, I, we we love, that movie. Love it. I would re-watch simply irresistible before i would sit down to re-watch freddie got figured god
1: i love that you I, say that to your husband every day no. i
0: was like
1: <laughs> i think i think still <laughs> daddy, do you want some sausage You're just daddy. fucking brilliant. But
0: my husband and i also have another saying which touches on your cheryl crow uh, our cheryl crow Mm. conversation and also is how i feel about sarah doing this movie and maybe sean patrick flannery since this is the same year that boom dog saints came out this is a big year for these actors mm-hmm. this is a huge year for them my husband and i have this saying whenever we watch a movie or see a tv show where we think someone who's sort of out of the league of the material is doing it mm-hmm. I'm like why are they doing it And we just go bitches gotta work i guess and it's like you <laughs> well, know yes. what bitches yes. gotta work people like,
3: gotta eat people yeah i mean work. they got bills to pay i know for sure i i Freddie got fingered. The best of it. Here, I mean, I, I, I Freddie got fingered, which we, we spoke on on uh uh screen drafts in in you know uh we spoke about it a lot. I think that Freddie got fingered is overtly doing something. I think that this movie is covertly
1: is doing something,
0: covertly doing per,
3: something per, perhaps covertly <laughs> doing something. Whereas I think that Freddie got fingered is I mean that's that is an art piece of 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 a of an order that I that I don't think I've ever seen or maybe never will see again of just someone who truly got a fucking big check from a studio Car's and was locked. like I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna milk a cow with my mouth. Uh you know, it's just I'm gonna do these things. This movie obviously is not going to the same extent. This movie is obviously a sweeter movie. This movie is just a kinder movie. I, I Freddy, think that Freddie Got you know. Fingered
1: is obviously a masterpiece. I don't mean to knock it in any way. It is, <laughs> it is, it is superior to this film. <laughs> but Freddie Got Fingered is doing a very similar thing to this film, which is you know take a take a very popular genre like at that point the you know kind of the gross out bro totally. comedy and take it to its extremity and put all the people who like that kind of shit in a really uncomfortable position i think this is doing something similar with the rom-com um Mm -hmm. i think this is a weird ass movie where someone let his freak flag fly and nobody appreciated it and that's really all it comes down to for me
0: i'll i'll say this i have seen dozens of movies like freddie got fingered I see one every 10 years when the jackass guys get together and I go to theaters every time. I've seen dozens of bro-y, gross, like I can do whatever the fuck I want, carte blanche movies. I think they're funny. I show up for them. I've never seen a movie like Simply Irresistible, and I don't think I <laughs> ever will. I don't think a movie like this will ever be made again. When I, uh, you know, when I finished watching the movie last night, my my I, my husband was like, "You want me to watch with you?" and I was like, "No, don't worry about it. Like, go play a video <laughs> game with your brother." I normally do this thing where if I see movies without John, I'm so excited to tell him about them, and like I'm going crazy. And there was like a weekend once where I stayed home and I'd never seen any of the Twilight movies, and John went away and he came home and i was like john i have to tell you all about these crazy movies <laughs> yeah. i i john i walked out of the room having watched simply Irresistible and john was like well and i was like i i don't, don't even know no yeah. i was like yeah. i like I hope where, you know now <laughs> where to begin like i could give you the log line but i don't think it would do it justice and i don't think you'd believe me
1: i'm, I'm <laughs> gonna i'm gonna say one more thing to piss <laughs> off anybody else who doesn't hate me right now okay <laughs> three words live action miyazaki
3: that's insane <laughs> i think, i mean i will say this though i do think it that, is a miyazaki uh, premise
1: think about it the girl who could bake her feelings into her food? i don't by the way the i love rap who hangs out I do think there's a version
0: of this movie which would take away the specialness of and the craziness which sure. but would make this movie more popular where Sarah Michelle Gellar's an actual witch who bakes her feelings into her food. I feel like though not a witch that I love that premise and that that sort of idea I think was um was captured so beautifully and, and amazingly in the late great Adrian Shelley's waitress film, mm-hmm. which is a, yes, a, yes, I yes, think yes, it's a yes, beautiful yes. movie. Mm-hmm. That is less the, the the consumers feeling the feelings, but mm-hmm. more the like the chef and the baker working her feelings out, I think in a beautiful stylistic way. And just to bring totally. up waitress Waitress is a stylish movie. The diner is stylish. There's like an arc for the look of the diner, the oh, end yeah. of the movie. Everything's in color and beautiful. The pies are stylistic. Just to bring up one, sorry, sorry, Kenny to neg simple in 1999, Simply Irresistible. I want to bring oh, up that's one. Okay. I want to bring up one thing that bummed me out about the movie. The one thing that bummed me out. And a movie Only that, one. This the this was the one thing. A, in a perfect film, there was one thing mm-hmm. that bummed me out. And a movie all about food and restaurants and cooking the food styling and the food they were terrible. eating looked fucking disgusting when i go see a movie about food like when i went to see chef it was like porn every time they yep. pulled oh out yeah out of chef the did oven. a
1: great job in that it was and like, it-
0: like the food was like amazing the food in this looked so disgusting i was like Ugh, crab napoleon if i have to look at any fucking cold dead prop yeah. crab anymore. i think she made
1: that up crab Not, by the way even yeah, the eclairs
0: <laughs> It's not, I, I googled it. It's real. I was oh, I man. was like I was like, am I so not refined that I don't know <laughs> what happened, Napoleon? It's like the only crab Obviously I have never so like the last time I had crab, it was it was endless at Red Lobster. So I'm yeah. not like a, a refined. It was in crab a
1: California roll. A,
0: yeah. a thousand thousand percent. The food looked terrible. In a movie about food, make the food look beautiful. And well, you're
3: you're you're also tapping into something. Uh, part of the one of the the Mark Tarlov quotes. He talks about how food and wine actually bends time and space, right? And this idea. And and by the way, there have been many movies about food. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't totally. help but think of big big night or Ratatouille watching this film,
0: Crabatouille, and
3: thinking about sort of Crabatouille. <laughs> uh, you know, it, this this movie definitely trying to play in that you know in that milieu um, but to your point the food was so unappealing to look at that it it kind of hindered some of that.
0: It hindered and it, this is such a simple guys this is such a simple storytelling thing to do uh, <laughs> but something so simple and and visual is show a plate of food that Sarah Michelle Geller makes at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. that's, discuss- that, that's like every plate we saw in the movie mm-hmm. by the end of the movie show the food that's amazing and even when we get to the like the department store for star restaurant Uh, there's nothing I want to eat on that plate I have everything looked disgusting well this this makes me think of one of
3: my favorite lines in this movie because it's insane uh is that at the beginning of the film when Amanda hears that her family's restaurant is closing she says but we've been here for 70 years
0: (laughs) doing what
1: yeah
3: (laughs) that restaurant has been there for 70 years
1: yeah it's yeah. I'm taking that's hilarious I'm taking I'm, I'm taking back to... to uh, since the 20s? <laughs> <laughs> since it's Art Deco? Yeah. They is this opened restaurant
0: it, Art Deco? They opened
1: it in the middle of, in the, middle of uh, the, the Great Depression. The, the Great Depression. The Great Depression. <laughs> we were um, fucking killing it in this, the 40s. I know. They're like those poor restaurants that opened the day before the fucking lockdown. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wait, so this yes. point about the witch is an interesting one because I think that if she were an actual witch, That's sure. Uh, This movie would be. It would make sense. It would make more, sense, but it'd would, be less
3: interesting, probably.
1: Significantly less interesting, way more beloved. Um, probably. just more, more of an obvious like cult movie candidate type. Totally. Thing. Yeah,
3: Sarah Michelle Gellar and, plays a yeah. witch chef. Like that and would be even, a thing. Yeah. That
1: would be a thing, and that would make sense. And you could still have like silly fun with it. The other thing you guys are talking about with the food looking bad—I don't <laughs> know if I thought it looked that bad, but I oh. hear you guys. I wonder also, like, if this was John Waters. <laughs> It'd be that, repulsive. It yeah. would be repulsive. But that would be stylish <laughs> and, and that, that, that that would be, be yeah, a, yeah, a choice. Again, yeah, yeah. and like I know I, did, I this will probably get clipped too, but like maybe maybe John Waters is a little too obvious, guys. <laughs> maybe he's a little too out there <laughs> Wait, Are you
0: you're now using simply irresistible to go back <laughs> good on,
1: version of, of John Waters artistry away from John Waters? I, I it wouldn't be the first time I've done something like this before. But like, well, you know. <laughs> i mean i i i, I like i don't know i i we did we did uh i i regret it to this day we did um ghost dog and God. i'm who who's ghost dog again I'm losing it's me. jim jarmusch so i'm like yeah you know like jim jarmusch like really makes quentin tarantino look like he just is so obvious and like everyone jumped out my throat like appropriately so like it's not the like no uh. the, that's not really what i should be doing here but what I am doing is saying, I think Tarloff has his own unique voice. That's uh, important in the American landscape, the cultural landscape. I think that we, I think that frankly, we're lucky we only got one movie from him. Well, uh, that's then maybe I, mean. I would have been, uh, been proven wrong on movie two, which by the way, he <laughs> did make movie two. it just never got released. <laughs> I
0: was going to ask that question. I was going to ask, was, is this that like weird, you know, is this that thing where it's like the small movie that then the director goes on to make this like huge successful movie? I guess. It's that his
1: a- rent. Yeah. Yeah, this is your yeah. Mind. Yeah. yeah oh, is yeah. Jonathan Larson rent? Yeah. 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 You know what's funny? I've been uh circling the uh, directing only one movies draft mm. for yeah. for screen drafts. Oh, and uh, how cool it would it be if I drafted this film? <laughs>
0: okay. would, would love to attach myself to remake Simply Irresistible <laughs> if, we, that, if we could all do so, it together.
3: Do you know what? The original title for Simply Irresistible was called Vanilla Fog. Okay. Oh, that's good.
0: Great. <laughs> <laughs> two, thi- two things about that, Phil, if I may. Please. One, I almost began with, like, guys, I thought we were talking about the Robert Palmer hit, Simply Resistible. I can't yeah, be to talk about that. I just got hour. notes,
3: 10 pages yeah. of notes on Simply Resistible. About-
0: By the way, if you're going to name, at that time, if you're going to name a movie, a popular song, which mind you, the song was from the eighties. Like when the movie should have been, been I want to hear a poor cover of that fucking song. Yeah. Why wasn't there? Yeah. Like, I would, it's like, you can't name it every little thing she does is magic. Too wordy, I hear you. But when you name a 90s rom-com film after a song that everyone knows, where is it?
1: Yeah, Addicted to Love has Addicted to Love in it. Addicted to
0: Love Potion number nine. You hear that song, (laughs) the whole fucking movie. Again, 80s don't name a movie after a song that everyone knows and loves and never play it i was waiting i was like where's my cover of addicted to love where is she and it never came never happened.
1: all right so I, I actually will give another data point for uh my for scores my, going down another data point for my um my argument that, that this boy is brilliant mark Tarlov. His other movie, which was never theatrically released or even released on video, it was shown once at the New York Musical Film Festival. Excuse me, oh, the New York yes. Musical Festival. Mm-hmm. It's called Temptation. It stars Adam Pascal and from, Zoe Seltzana. Yeah, and Anika, <laughs> and Anika Noni Rose. He got a real huh. cast for this. The story tells the tale of Faust making a deal with the devil in rock musical form come on guys.
0: honestly i would kill to see this that. guy's all right i would kill to see a, a rock musical of faust that's, with adam pascal that, that's true that's true i would, but, uh, that's true. i believe uh, by the way angelinos i believe adam uh uh pretty woman the musical i think is playing in our racing. it's
1: true and well, i was indeed. like
0: dare i and then i heard adam pascal's in it and it's like i'm getting tickets so I. I, oh, I he's see-
1: playing richard gear
0: I think so. And no, look, you're talking to someone who went to see Ghost the Musical at Pantages. So it's not that. Crazy. It wasn't it wasn't great. <laughs> 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 but you know what was great? Let's talk about style for a second. Let's talk about let's talk about 2013's Ghost the Musical at Pantages. As far as style goes, <laughs> I thought the production and production design, you know, the scene and I love the movie Ghost. I would love sure, to
3: course,
1: of it course. It with you. Hey, Great movie.
0: Amazing movie. So, you know the scene when like Tony Goldwyn's losing his fucking mind and like the mm-hmm. demons drag him away? Yes. Of it looked course. amazing. The shadows on stage were oh, incredible. Wow. Also, the scene where he goes to the office in the movie and yeah. Patrick Swayze is like haunting him and shit's typing and everything's going yeah. crazy looked incredible (laughs) i was like how are they doing it how are the how are they pulling this off the keys are typing themselves like there are demons everywhere would love would love to go back and see ghost the musical not great but would do it again that sounds Sounds pretty
1: pretty good good. That's pretty good I assume they, you know, they they sing Unchained, oh, Unchained Melody. Oh, Unchained Melody,
0: and it they get weird, and it's like because it's a musical, he like plays the guitar, but you really just want them covered in clay. So yeah, why are wait off. they don't
1: do the they don't do they the they do the
0: thing, but he had to like sing the song to her. It's a whole thing. Um, maybe they so maybe they've since workshopped it.
1: It's probably what are all the other songs? Are they original songs? Are they jukebox no, it was musical? No, like
0: jukebox. I think my memory of it was jukebox musical. Yeah,
1: you know that's that's an, I mean, look. I'll tell you well, one thing. Life is too short to spend eighty dollars <laughs> for a jukebox musical. Look, That's at that didn't even time. play on Broadway, <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> It's true.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. Pretty Woman plays the song Pretty Woman. So uh, where, well, where Pretty
1: Woman is a great soundtrack.
0: Love? It's an amazing. It must have been band. love, but it's
1: over now. I mean, Roxette. yes, Roxette. Amazing. There you go. Amazing. Uh, so I. <laughs> We're having more just,
0: fun talk about other movies, which
1: is... Yeah,
3: so, I, so this was this was unfortunately Gene Siskel's last film that he that reviewed before his death.
1: Unfortunately? Unfortunately.
3: <laughs> he gave the film a thumbs down um, for what that's worth. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller has stated that this is one of her least favorite films she's been in. I believe of that. Um, you know, I, I think that, listen, I, I... Kenny's words have not rung, uh, have not fallen on deaf ears. I can tell. Um, <laughs> Well, I could tell. No, don't be too, don't be too cocky. You didn't move that much. Um, but uh should we rate this?
0: Let's yeah.
3: Kenny, I'm gonna ask you to go first on this rating. Sure,
1: I'll rate it first. Never saw this. Obviously, why would anyone yeah. watch this movie um before this podcast existed? Sure. Uh look, I actually only gave this a 61 after the first viewing. <laughs> um I thought like I thought that this was, you know, there's a lot of bad mixed in with the good now after this discussion I think there's almost no bad mixed in with the good um, I think it's a great movie a, a vital piece of American filmmaking I'm going to go all but, but it, I, I will admit it's not the, the, the most it's not the most joyous and enjoyable watch I do think most people would be like Kenny you're crazy so I'm going to go only marginally higher to a 79 uh, <laughs> <laughs> simply as is getting a 79 from me that's anyone insane. anyone want to go next uh,
3: Lindsay
0: that's insane um well I will say that what I thought I had the expectation going into watching the movie last night expecting to not like it and expecting- well, what did you think
3: when you saw it when in 99 because you saw it around then
0: right you I saw that. it then yeah. I think I mean I loved Sarah Michelle Gellar and still do sure. but I think it was that thing that was like well that was a movie and I lived at the movie theater. That's like where I just lived at the movie theater. And ninety nine was obviously the best year to live in the theater. Sure, sure. Yeah. But at the time, it was a forgettable movie for me. Like, especially mm-hmm. once Cruel Intentions came out the next month. Nobody's talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar and Simply Irresistible. Like that. you are talking turnover. about her kissing
3: Selma Blair in a park. Absolutely, in and Central like park, you know.
0: being a badass, fucking yeah. evil bitch. Like she was so amazing in it. Amazing. And, and that, those were the movies. And like Girl Interrupted were the movies. Mm-hmm. I that was my sure. ninety nine coming a sure. age movie so simply irresistible was a forgettable movie to me at the time and i think mm-hmm. because i was a teenager i thought i was way too cool for that movie right sure watching so i went into last night thinking that i was going to give it i, I got <laughs> influenced by rotten tomatoes and i was like this is going to be a 20 like yeah. I, but like this is going to be a 20 i will say last night when i finished it i was like this is a 60 this is a 60 for me after our conversation, guys, Phil, you've made some valid points and I have rethought everything and questioned some things. I truly believe it lives and deserves a solid 50. I don't think it is a okay. I, I, okay. I, like, solid in the sense that like there, there are movies where I would say never watch this movie. I I would I would say you should watch this movie because you won't believe what you're going to see but I don't know that I can in good conscience give it more than 50.
1: It's the it, it's it's the 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 existence 50. That's what we call yes. it on this podcast. I
0: think that's right. It's like a solid down the n- middle like
1: a strong yeah. reverence for the film but also knowing that maybe it's not something that everyone's going to love. And
0: do you know what it is? For me, truly for me, it the thing that made me question lose the 10 points, it is the style. It's like not having, not not pushing the boundary, not going there with the design, with the score, with the look of everything, like not embracing what the movie is. Like It felt like it, there was a sense of like, maybe we don't want to be in this movie and don't want to be making this movie. I just wanted it to be as crazy as the story is.
3: Yeah, I mean- what do you got yeah, i i genuinely here here's the thing I, I went into this with no expectations really i i expected this to be a uh you know a, a Lindsay lowen-esque rom-com you know totally. something along those lines whatever that Chris it was Pine one, one was,
1: bad ones like lucky yeah
3: you. i yeah i i really did not but i will say this i had a hint back when i was on station 19 there was a writer on that show because I would often talk about the movies that we were going to cover. He's like, wait, simply Resistible, is that the one with the crab? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So like, again, that I had an inkling, there was a crab. So that was really all I was going into this movie with. Um, I pressed play and that first opening scene, I was like, Oh, this is going to, this is going to be a long watch. Agreed. Um, I, I came into this podcast at a 25. I think that it's, and, and, both of you have made some very solid arguments about why it's worth more than that. So I've, I, I, and, and I'm up to 42. That's as wow. high as I'm going to go with this movie. I, I don't think that this movie's good. I don't think this movie should be watched. I don't think <laughs> anyone should watch this movie.
0: I, I disagree with I, that.
3: I, I, I don't think I, it should be watched. I think that it's that being said, you know kenny you made some valid arguments in terms of whether or not appraisal i i don't think this movie should be
1: reappraised uh, <laughs> I yes, I mean... it, should. it definitely should I, I... By, by modern audiences people should give it a shot i so i i guess what you're saying is <laughs> don't... don't even bother what i'm saying is i would like to hear like i'd like to i'd like to hear like like Twenty of our best friends. Who that,
3: I mean, listen, I would gladly see what they bring on twenty people to talk about this film uh, and and create a, a panel. But I I think that
1: though oh, though I do and I didn't do this I didn't do this on purpose because I had no idea what this movie was. No, as and if I watched I, it, I knew that Lindsay would be into it. <laughs> I mean, as into it as she ultimately was. But I knew that like like Lindsay like every October, Lindsay watches. 31 of the worst fucking horror movies you've ever heard of or the
0: best or the best just I I like to do if I have time I do have a a love for watching a horror movie a day and when you get into 31 of them and when you're a horror fan it's like let's start watching the movies I've never seen and that's when you start getting to like the the true dregs of like oh shit well
3: so here's a question for you uh next week I wonder if you've seen uh the films that we're covering next week which are we're, we're doing uh from Dust till dawn two and three which both came out in 1999 have yeah. you seen these
0: films i've seen from Dust till dawn two i've not seen i've not okay. seen three i've not seen three
3: do you did you enjoy two i mean obviously not or you would have watched three i'm assuming i
0: don't think so i think that was like a um that was like a blockbuster pickup for me kind of thing at sure, the time sure. you know was that direct to video
3: both of them were direct to video. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was it's it's so rare that you get two sequels that come out within a twelve
0: month span. Oh,
3: so yeah. I was kind of like, We gotta we gotta do this.
1: Very, very matrixy very
0: i have complicated i i do like from Dust till dawn though i have complicated feelings about it and quentin tarantino and guys i fucking hate him and it's like i can't watch you suck on somebody's toes for one second it's like did you really need to fucking did you really need to write yourself in as the pedophile who sucks on toes congratulations we yeah
3: i i have i have very conflicted feelings about from Dust till dawn as well it's more it's and it's exactly what you're speaking of but i do like that it's kind of two movies like that it's this weird i mean i can't believe i'm a about to watch six hours of dust <laughs>
0: it's insane i would want yeah that's insane i it's think six. That, i
3: think they're both like 90 minutes
0: the sequel, the sequel was something i did pick up it was like direct to video watch it in the same ways that i've seen like the sequels to the lost boys those like direct to video right movies. right 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 But I'm, I'm never gonna be like oh yeah you gotta run out and see like the lost boys the tribe like i'm, I'm not <laughs> probably are not you
3: so that. we don't need to talk about tarantino because that's a whole thing but i'm Ugh. curious as to like where you fall on the uh, on the grindhouse thing right like because I do think that this is a whole oeuvre in itself right of people that are into with I say this with absolutely no judgment this kind of seeing every kind of subpar low budget horror movie that's ever been made I know that Kenny you've seen a lot of horror movies but I don't know that you're into this particular lane
1: I I wish I were it's not that I'm not into it it's just that I haven't gone there if I ever can go there I will go there (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> totally. I agree. Like, I think some of those movies can be cool as shit, meaning right. I love the aesthetic of those movies. Right. I love kind of the gore in those movies. I do tend to shy away from anything that gets to be too like torture porny with my horror. Right. I right. don't like it. it the Eli
3: Roth of it all. The,
0: I fu- yeah. No, I'm not a fan. In yeah. fact, I was so mad. Shark Week is my favorite week of the year. And a couple weeks back, it was like Eli Roth hosting Shark Week. And it's like, um. why? It's like, I don't, <laughs> It's like, now I can't even watch the fucking sharks I love because your mug is over here. <laughs> Are fucking like talking about sharks like i don't Watch need the to-
1: sharks um, i love so
0: fucking- <laughs> you ruined sharks hey, my Eli favorite Ross- sharks ruined shark week for me like green inferno i'm not interested like I, yeah. I i i that's just not my genre and i and i say this to two gentlemen here but i feel like there's like I mean horror is this a lot and can be but I think there's an element especially of like 90s grindhousey horror and 2000s grindhousey horror that is the most toxic masculine version of horror that almost circles back to the 70s where it's like we want to be Wes Craven when he made rape movies like that's who we want to be because we can get away with it and I kind of hate that it
1: feels like it it, that feels like that's more of a to early 2000s thing mm-hmm. to totally, me at least, to then yeah. a 90s thing
0: late 90s early 2000s yeah, yeah. like I 2001
1: yeah and I, I do I think uh yeah I, I I think they don't necessarily realize that like Wes Craven was like the only one who uh was worth having a career out of the hundreds of thousands of people who made movies like that in the 70s yeah you know? I, I don't mean he was the yeah. only one that that that's that's oh that's too glib but like i mean sam you, you Raimi, know. right like Sam,
0: yeah, like, like the Cor-
1: evil dead yeah, like roger you know, people talk about the roger corman people but it's not as if it was just fucking brian de palma and martin scorsese there were right. hundreds of people who made movies for him those were just the guys who were really good
3: i also just think that you know and, and not to get on a you know not to go down this whole rabbit hole necessarily but there's just not there's not enough female horror directors on top of yeah. all of this, right? We're seeing more of them. Um, but, yeah. you know, you do have your your Karan Kusama's. You have your uh, Anna Lily Amapour. Yeah. Um, Leah Jenek, who I think is awesome. Yeah. She's doing some really cool shit. Nia but then I, and, and Nia Costa or, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, does Julia, uh, and I don't know how to, the, the director of uh, Titan, Would, do we, is that,
2: that's horror. really
3: horror, but- all this is to say that it what's interesting is that it feels like there's just a lot more thought being put into these particular films right and part of it i imagine is because it's hard to get these films made shouldn't be but it is it's hard for a for a woman to get these films made it's hard for women to get films made period so i feel like their stuff has to be elevated totally whereas men are allowed to make Mistakes. mistakes and whatever um, so it's, which obviously is, is unfortunate, but I, I do think that it means that their stuff's really fucking good. So like, you know,
1: I also think horror fans yeah. like now yeah. are really well educated, well read film people. Yeah. And they're yeah. also pretty, pro- it's a pretty progressive lot at this point. Mm-hmm. So I do think, like, the horror that has survived uh, over the last, you know, 100 years, but the last 50 years tends yeah. to be stuff that at least is engaging with bigger ideas in terms mm-hmm. of identity, in terms of, you know, yeah. vulnerability and that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think that's the stuff that really kind of birthed the modern horror fan for the well, most Well, I think part. Jordan it's, Peele, you well, know, Jordan to some Peele degree is part of that. Yeah. Two, of yeah. course, but he's making
0: just, it more of like a popcorn experience. To he's like opening it up to wider audiences, I think, than ha- than has, and been.
3: not making it seem as though it has to stay in one lane either. Like his no, stuff, amazing. like there's a lot of comedy, obviously, in his stuff too.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's this shit's wonderful. But I, even yeah. the smaller stuff in general, it's just not as ex- exploitative as yes, yes, it seemed twenty years ago. Agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, look, it's true for a lot of subcultures right now. Just a lot of subcultures seem to be peopled by, or you know, the fans, just by, by mm-hmm. just more progressive people who are just are are looking for different kinds of stories. I, I, yeah. I you know, I, what I, I think
3: know. it's. You know, Katie and I, obviously, we've been doing this podcast for a while and, 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 you know, have split ourselves into sort of three different years. And I think it's really fascinating to look at what horror was in 89, what horror was in 99, and what horror is in 2009. They're all very different. And I think that horror, perhaps, maybe more so than any other genre, um, gets a lot of cracks because it's relatively cheap. And it can be really, really lucrative. So, you know, the studios are always going to go back to the well on horror. And I think it generally is a mirror uh, to what we're living through in the moment, right? And I think that, you know, you look at, you know, your Freddy Krueger's, your Jason's, your what have you's in the 80s. And then in the 90s, you know, Kenny and I have talked about how kind of a weird year for horror. You know, you have end of days you have audition which i not guess a, might be considered
1: a horror movie yeah um in 99 but not a, but not an american horror movie so it's right, hard to right, kind right, of right. it's hard to
3: place it within this conversation no absolutely but you know the the, the studio horror films are, are stigmata <laughs> and end of days which are pretty soft horror films if you'd even really call and them the haunting films.
1: it sucks I, sure. do they suck or, or
3: hill house whatever but there's yeah, like, a great
1: yeah. um there's a great indie horror film this year blair witch yes yes, yes which exactly changed yeah. everything
3: which then in then in 2009 you 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 get a paranormal activity, which is Blair Witch, you know, uh, 20 years later it is it, just it's just it's really interesting i think it's a really malleable fascinating genre that i didn't watch for many many years because i'm a big baby and i've been trying to watch more of not it not anymore phil but...
0: it's no i like i appreciate it
3: you're you're so. a, you're a, you're, a I'm a I'm a you're a grown up i'm a big boy
0: there is one horror movie that i do think kind of changed the landscape in 99 too that mm. this is a, a person to have a conversation about as well but the yeah. sixth sense that oh, was yeah. such a oh, like yeah. sure. as far as a horror movies being wildly successful yes, and yes people yes, yes. who at the time i don't think showed up to horror movies or weren't yep. horror fans they were talking about the six that's it helped that bruce Absolutely. willis was the star and was a huge movie yeah. star but it also was a, a great movie with a great fucking twist and you're mm-hmm. invested in the characters and you love the little boy and tony collette and like i yep. i still do think that is a, a brilliant movie I, I agree you know kenny and i
3: did that jesus i don't even remember when we did it was certainly i think like three years ago now but and i remember you know i we had a whole conversation about it, and I think that M Night Shyamalan's career is fascinating in what it's done. Sort it of the ups and downs. Like he's had.
1: Old, it might have. Been, it was definitely before old. Definitely, before definitely old before old. Okay. Might have even been before Split, or right around. It was before yeah. Split. Split, which so, I, so, I do like, like. Which I do no, like. No, I. Yeah. Well, Split. Split. I mean, it was post. Split gave him the visit. Yeah. yeah. So like, there was these little, little, you know, hints that yes. he was coming back. Like when the visit happens, you're kind of like. There might be a yeah. lane back, yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, I think, know, he, is, I think old is. I think old's fucking great. Yeah, I mean, he's a I different have, guy now than he was when we yeah, did the movie. But uh yeah no 6 Sense is a really good really good call in I terms think, of it had a lot cool. and, and and to me get out is more of yes. a 6 a
0: sense 100% you know percent, that tone yeah. or even like um I think this was 99 you guys will have to fact check me but Stir of Echoes is one that comes oh,
1: yeah, over. It is. yeah 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 it, it is yeah. Stir
0: of Echoes I think is a brilliant movie it shares I like Stir
1: of Echoes okay. yeah. Yeah. it's like we were okay ca- with it
0: It's like I really like I I like love Survey one, I think I love like I love that genre of a paranormal horror story. Sure. I love being haunted. I remember like having not seen that movie maybe since it's come out there are moments that i remember that stayed with me like i remember the flash of the girl dragging along the ground and her fingernail popping mm-hmm. off like there are moments of visceral horror that stayed with me from that movie i remember the soundtrack i remember Paint It sure. black playing there are moments sure. that are iconic uh in that movie that stay with you 20 years later which i think does make like a good i think horror. that
3: movie i mean i think david Cap. Kapp... Uh, is an underrated filmmaker quite honestly I think that he's done a lot of really yeah. fun stuff and I think that on top of being you know obviously a very successful screenwriter there's some really arresting images in of Echos that still stay with me that empty movie theater there's a yeah. bunch of stuff that there's some really interesting I mean we did a whole episode on it and and I think to Kenny's point we kind of all came out on it being like this is a above average this is better than I expected it to be. Um, the, it got swallowed by uh, Sixth Sense, which came yep. out, I believe, like two weeks before it did.
0: And they and shared just sort DNA. And blew it out of
3: the water. And they shared DNA. So it was just sort of... But but this is all to say, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm i curious to see... First, I'm curious to watch these from Death Dawn movies. But also yeah. just, you know, we've got a couple horror movies in 09 we're going to cover on our Patreon as well, which, which I'm excited to cover. But... Yeah, I just, I'm excited to see where horror goes now. I do think that Jordan Peele yeah. is sort of at the forefront of that. And I'm curious. I think that the Candyman reboot, which he obviously was was a, a producer Produced. on. I'm, I'm curious to see sort of uh, how they get people. there's. And speaking of, and I know you guys probably haven't seen this trailer yet because it dropped literally this morning. But there's a trailer for this movie called Smile, which Paramount is releasing uh, on the oh. last week of September. So it's sort of their early Halloween movie i don't know what the fuck it's about but like it's a good trailer it's a creepy trailer it's just oh. people smiling uh, Oh, i
1: see I, I i've seen something
3: there's like a it. teaser that was playing in theaters now there's a yes, trailer yes yes i bring this up also because it's starring kevin bacon's daughter <laughs> um <laughs> so the stir of echo's connection is there but uh yeah it's it it actually looks genuinely creepy and i'm like you know what? These movies—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're evergreen. We're never—it's—it's it's, you know.
0: Totally. I think yeah. It's it's. Fun. I thought you were gonna say Black Phone. I feel like I've seen that Black poster. Black
3: Phone. That poster's been yeah at, for like everywhere ten, for for like a year. Ten
0: years. But I also don't think I've ever seen a trailer. It's like, are you gonna drop? A, are you? Is there Pretty a trailer? Scary um but I
3: think, I think that was a holdover that was a COVID thing right like they shot it and it, yeah I'm assuming that was
0: maybe a, you or or you know, can or perfectly, yeah. perfectly blame COVID for anything right now yeah. which is great um I think the thing that Jordan Peele's bringing which is amazing is um I don't know. And I don't want to uh, say this isn't the case of a lot of horror movies, but Jordan Peele uh, brings a lot of substance and social commentary to absolutely, his horror absolutely. films. And he makes them dramas and he makes them character dramas. And uh, that has to be really exciting to a Catherine Keener. That has to be really exciting to elevated actors. And I think when you have, and also he's just an amazing director. Like I, lo- I, I, lo- I feel like people don't talk about Us as much. Us was a movie that when I watched it in theaters, I didn't like it. And and I was like, it got too big. Yeah. Like the thing, the amazing thing about totally. the amazing thing about Get Out is it's small. It's the one house. It's the yeah. family. It's these people. Us were literally across the world. It was crazy. I had to reevaluate because I love him so much and rewatched and rewatched, mm-hmm. and it stayed with me. I really love it. And I think just as a Same. director. May even just as a director, thinking about his style, thinking the way he shoots movies, thinking about how the the teaser of that movie, which is beautiful, uh, that you're staying with a little girl and you're in her POV. It's all yeah. about her. It, it's like a simple choice but a brilliant choice that's not made often so I think having an, an elevated director who shoots movies beautifully who casts incredible actors who cast someone like Lupita Nyong'o to star in a horror movie it, it's, How she
3: didn't get an Oscar nomination for that performance. I think
0: but. she deserved it. We actually talked, not to, shameless plug, but we my, our show, mine and Roberto mm. aguirre casa who of course everyone knows who he is, uh, sure. Roberto <laughs> who is an amazing person and I'm very lucky to be making something with him um, we both love of horror and uh mm-hmm. we connected over that and so for our kind of take on this we're like this is a horror show it's a slasher show but it's still about five young women so right. it needs to be we need to ground this in like real societal horror we need mm-hmm. to ground this in stories about sexual assault we need to ground sure. this in stories about grooming uh and yet still have a uh, have a slasher villain and we were very inspired by jordan peele in the movie we 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 in and one of the episodes the girls are like setting up a double feature of get out and us like we just That's we. Awesome him, so, but it, it is so nice to see like a horror film get nominated for an academy award that for writing one and again yeah,
3: and win win yeah.
0: an academy award for the script and deservedly so oh, it yeah. was it was an totally. amazing script so that excites me i love that horror can be elevated i'm still gonna show up to something like ready or not and i had a blast that's not winning any oscars but i had the time of my life it was simple i love the setup like it was yeah. batshit. so yeah. i kind of love that uh I, I do feel like horror is like shifting and changing but it's uh,
1: why really, i was that a really more. good time well, yeah, ready good or, or not ready or
3: not is unfortunate i think kenny and i we talked about this but like i really liked ready or not Me too. and i had really high expectations for their scream reboot because it was the same filmmakers and i didn't really love the scream reboot that much i didn't hate it but I, like i i wanted it to i be really more. liked
1: watching it but it i feel fun. the same way yeah i feel the same way as you do ultimately it's no yeah. scream for it's no scream for what uh, is
0: well, yeah. well, it's no scream to. Thank
3: you so no, much for coming on to talk about to um, Magical Crabs with us. Uh, As- the, the animal, not the STD. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it truly, uh, this was a blast. We obviously had an amazing time. When uh, is your show going to be premiering and how can people see it?
0: Uh, we are premiering July twenty eighth, so end of next month. Then we'll be streaming on HBO Max, which is really, really, really awesome. exciting. So um, please tune in and and don't send me your hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the
1: okay. hate mail. Just it. And, and what's your uh, Twitter handle? Yeah. Just oh, kidding,
0: guys. I know just you know I'm kidding. Don't do it. I'm not, on it. Know, I'm not it. on it. Oh my god. Good for um, you. I'm not on it. You know what? And I do. I do question. I don't know if you guys feel this way. Um. But yeah, mm. I, I, I'm like, ooh, should is it time to like get on? But now it's like I don't want that. No, no, no,
3: no. no. If you've, if, if you're never off, stay off. And and I also, especially with your, you know, you don't need a tidal wave of people I telling you what they think it. about your show. It's you're you're better off for it. But, um, more than anything, thank you so so much for for coming on. Uh, this was a blast. We'd love to have you back. We can't wait to talk about something else with you in the future.
0: I would love. I had so much fun. This was amazing. And and what a great excuse to. Uh, watch uh, "Simply Irresistible" on a Tuesday. <laughs> thank, so, you thank you so there.
1: so much, Lindsay. Say hi thank hi. you, it was great guys. talking to you.
0: Bye. 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 Good to talk to you.
1: See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Kenny. Nice to
0: meet. Bye. Be- Bye, guys.
2: Hold up.